Hi, my name is Chris Brennan, and you're listening to the Astrology Podcast. In this episode, I'm going to be talking with astrologer Robert Weinstein about the astrology of Bitcoin. Uh, today is Saturday, December 5th, 2020, starting at 2.42 p.m. in Denver, Colorado, and this is the 282nd episode of the show. Uh, so hey, Robert, thanks for joining me. Oh, it's an honor to be here, Chris. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, this is uh, an episode that I've been wanting to do for a while. We first started talking about it last summer. Uh, you had written an article titled The Astrology of Bitcoin last year for the Mountain Astrologer magazine that was really good. And so I knew you would be a good person for this topic for a while. But then part of the genesis of it was that um, just a few days ago, at the end of November, there was a major lunar eclipse that took place in Sagittarius. And that day, Bitcoin reached an all time, a new all time high of, I think, over $19,000 per Bitcoin or something like that, right? Correct. Yes. Uh, I so believe that, the, the previous all time high was 19.5, and it just barely broke above that. I think it went up to 19.7 or 19.8 uh, for a few hours. Yeah. So that got me thinking again about this topic that. There's some astrologers that get really into and get really excited about, but I've never had any extensive coverage on on the podcast so far. But just um, you know, what is Bitcoin, and can astrology be used in order to study Bitcoin and especially to study fluctuations in the price of Bitcoin, like with that significant uh, correlation that just occurred at the end of November? And I know you're somebody that um, has been studying Bitcoin for a while, and and part of the thesis of your article. In the Mountain Astrologer magazine was that indeed you can study price fluctuations in Bitcoin through astrology as, as an additional means of doing that. So that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to start. Um, I want to introduce you, then introduce Bitcoin, and talk a little bit about that too for people not familiar with it. Uh, then get into some of the basics of it, and then maybe you know some some correlations you've seen since you've been studying it over the past several years. Um, to show how it works, and then perhaps talk a little bit about the future. Does that sound good to you? Sounds good. All right, cool. So um, you are your background. You've been studying astrology for I think over twenty years now, and your background is primarily in Chinese medicine and medical astrology, in addition to your work in financial astrology, right? Yeah, that's correct. Yes, I uh, studied acupuncture um, here in Seattle from nineteen ninety eight to two thousand two, and I've been a licensed acupuncturist since two thousand three. Um, Chinese medicine practitioner and a Qigong instructor, and um, was really into just kind of general astrology, um, Jungian psychological astrology, more of the modern evolutionary astrology uh, for many years. Um, and then I started getting interested in um, medical astrology as well, because it was a natural dovetail with my work in Chinese medicine. Um, but uh, I started noticing uh, financial correlations in the stock market. I read a great um, interview with the, the noted financial astrologer Ray Merriman in the Mountain Astrology. I didn't know much about financial astrology before that, and I started reading more about financial astrology um, and became very interested in it. And then I found that there was actually a lot of crossover with medical astrology uh, and financial astrology. It doesn't necessarily seem like 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 it would like there would be a crossover, but. It's it's really there's a lot of um, there's a lot of similarities in the in terms of the diagnosis and kind of progno prognosis prognostication or prognosis you're really diagnosing energy patterns in both uh, cases and um, so I uh, I started getting more into into financial astrology and looking into that 
Nice. Uh, Ray, that was the previous episode I did on financial astrology was with Ray Merriman in episode 76 of the Astrology Podcast. Um, and that's an interesting thing because it's kind of like this year, one of the positive out of many negative things that have happened as a result of the pandemic is that it's been a unique and interesting opportunity to apply the astrology because you have a somewhat objective data set to apply it to as a standard to see if the astrology is actually correlating with anything. And so I've shared on the forecast episodes, for example, some of these um, correlations between the three Jupiter-Pluto conjunctions this year and the three sort of waves of COVID uh, in the United States over the past several months and how impressively that's lined up. So that's been um, interesting to me to have something objective to like compare the astrology to to demonstrate that the correlations are there. And financial astrology is another one of those areas where it's interesting to me because you have an objective data set to compare it to and either and you can also sometimes make predictions and basically either you're right or you're wrong. So it's it's much hmm. different than just a psychological application of astrology, right? Totally. Yeah. And that's the that's the thing that got me really interested in financial astrology because I mean, when I first got into astrology, you know, I was on kind of the new age spiritual trip, you know, and and wanted to, you know, learn, you know, more about self-realization through astrology. And I did that for many years and I still do that. And astrology is great for that. But as I've gotten a little older, I became more interested in the practical applications of astrology, um, using it to help, you know, people who are going through medical problems and to understand, you know, our constitutional um, tendencies for health and, and wellness and, and illness and disease, which I think medical astrology is very, can be very profound for. And the practical application of that can be very profound. And with, with financial astrology, it's almost like, it's almost as close to a mathematical proof, really, that we're ever going to get for astrology. And, you know, um, while we may not really, you know, as uh, you and I may not really be that concerned with trying to convince the skeptics, I mean, we know that astrology works and we know the power of it. We also maybe know its limitations, but it's, it's always great to have some objective data set that matches the astrological correlations because I think that that's very helpful for astrology as a profession. And so I find uh, some astrologers tend to poo-poo financial astrology and it in some uh, corners may be considered a black sheep of the family because it's it's being used for material gain in some way perhaps and not for some spiritual higher spiritual purpose. But I think it's financial astrology is actually, you know, it can really convert people who otherwise wouldn't be open to astrology. And in that way, I think it's very helpful for the astrology as a profession. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, so for those watching the video version, here's just an example of that, of, for example, this diagram that uh, Kyle from archetypalexplorer.com put together for me using his astrology software, just showing the on the bottom half the three peaks of the three exact Jupiter-Pluto conjunctions this year, which happened in early April, late July, and mid-November, and just showing how well that sort of lines up with the three major bumps or major waves in COVID, the third of which we're, we're experiencing right now um, here in, in late November and early December. So um, you've got some diagrams and some graphs sort of similar to that just in terms of um, you know, financial things like Bitcoin and the the value of Bitcoin fluctuates similarly and goes up up and down, and you can sort of follow that or plot that on a graph. 
and sometimes use that or overlay that with the astrology in order to track um, certain movements upwards or downwards at different points in time, essentially, right? Yeah, it's pretty. Uh, it's pretty amazing, really. I mean, what we you know, it's uh, traditionally called like the price action, right? So you can study the astrological correlations to the price action, and that's something that I've been doing very closely for the past three and a half years, as well as doing some back testing, what we call back testing, and looking back at the aspects and correlating them to the to the price action. And what we found is that you can see the planetary energies actually play out in the price charts of of in this case bitcoin the asset the the thing that's interesting about bitcoin i mean there's a lot of financial astrologers doing great work for stocks and commodities and gold you know stock markets are very complex you're talking about thousands of different companies and corporations you know all over the world that are influenced by so many different influences and it's it's very hard to predict um you know the stock market some uh, are some financial astrologers are better than others at it but with bitcoin we have a kind of a unique opportunity because bitcoin is you know the dominant force in the cryptocurrency markets so it's one asset that really dominates the market in this case it dominates the market capitalization and in fact because it's the very first cryptocurrency its chart it kind of correlates in some ways, not only just to uh, the Bitcoin price action, but to the price action of the entire cryptocurrency market. Interesting. Okay, so it's like an emerging whole market, the broader idea of not just Bitcoin, but all other similar cryptocurrencies as well. And, and we'll get into explaining for those that aren't yeah. familiar what that means here shortly. But It's amazing. I mean, there's there's hundreds of cryptocurrencies that are being traded every day on tens of different international exchanges, Billions of dollars uh, are exchanged every day uh, in the trading of, of, of uh, Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies. Sure. So, so following sort of, let's say, financial astrology and following the stock market and, and attempting to predict fluctuations in that is something that astrologers have been doing for a long time now. And there's astrologers like Ray Merriman or a number of other financial astrologers that that specialize in that, and that's a whole. Sort of field unto itself, but this is kind of a somewhat new thing. Following Bitcoin in particular as a new form of currency and something that that carries monetary value. Yeah, and that's one of the things that's so interesting, and I talk about this a lot. Was bringing the the ancient art of astrology to the most cutting edge financial technology is. Um, I, I find something very. Um, interesting and very um, fun, actually, really, in in doing that. And it's uh, so it's it's so it's it just goes to the timeless nature of astrology, really. I mean, this you know ancient art is is can be used, still has relevance today to help us understand uh, financial markets of many different types, including cryptocurrencies. And you know, one thing that I found is that not only astrology can help us understand Bitcoin better. By looking at the natal chart, by looking at the transits and the progressions, but I found personally um, is that Bitcoin has taught me more about astrology, perhaps than any book or teacher, um, because you can really see the price action, um, how it corresponds to the um, you know to the planetary aspects and the ingresses and and the full moons and Mercury retrogrades. You know, it's uh, Robert Hand once said. He said, "You you you'll never learn astrology from a book." He said, you don't know astrology until you felt 
the planets in your bones, you know, through the transits to your own chart and others. And when you're in financial markets, uh, let me tell you, you can feel the aspects. <laughs> uh, if you get it wrong, you lose money and it hurts. And uh, but even if you're not trading, uh, just watching uh, watching how it plays out is a it's a fascinating st- it's a fascinating study. And I think it's a it's a good way uh, for st- for people to learn astrology in some ways. Um, for very various different reasons. Number one, there is a financial reward uh, if you get it right, but also because of that very clear feedback. Uh, you know, as as they say, the numbers don't lie. Yeah, and I appreciate that you're very in your article about this in the Mountain Astrologer a year ago. You're very open about talking about both your successes and predicting that you would you know see some astrological alignment coming up and how it connected to the chart for for Bitcoin, and you would. Have an expectation about whether that indicated a, a fluctuation going up or down, and make a prediction about that in your newsletters. And you were very open about saying, you know, sometimes when you got certain ones right, but also sometimes when you got certain ones wrong. And then learning from that, that feedback, and that having some investment in it, and actually losing money or gaining money, um, helping to sharpen your skills as an astrologer. Yeah, it's um, you know when you have skin in the game, as they say. Uh, there's the the stakes are a little bit higher, so um, you know you can uh, you know if we're doing um, Jungian psychological astrology, there's a, a lot more room for sort of error. <laughs> you know if you're you know sometimes you you know you'll make guesses about someone's character, and a lot of times they'll be right, and sometimes they'll be wrong, or you make predictions. But in financial astrology, uh, certainly the margin of error is a little bit less, and. Um, you know that 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 actually is a makes it a sharper tool for learning astrology, if that makes any sense. Yeah, well, and, and it's one of the criticisms that skeptics sometimes have about astrology is they'll say that with you know psychological astrology, character based astrology, that astrological predictions or statements are so broad that that they can be yeah. applied to anybody, and everybody just you know thinks that they work due to confirmation bias. But this is one area where that is definitely not the case where either you're you're right or you're wrong and so that's what yeah. just to circle back i wanted to share it will um, show you your confirmation bias <laughs> yeah if, if you have confirmation bias so here's the image uh, for those watching the video version of just the planetary alignments calendar that we put out i think back in october well we re- we released it actually a year ago but this was the graphic that i showed in october just showing on the 30th of November, that lunar eclipse that occurred at the very end of the month. And then, of course, um, you know, that yeah. day we then get the um New York Times article titled Bitcoin Hits New Record, this time with less talk yes. of a bubble. And it just shows that price fluctuation and the last peak that occurred, what was it, in late 2017 in December of 2017. And now December we're getting... of 2017, and then that's definitely. Um, a, 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 I think we have a graphic uh, for that too, and that's there was a lot going on in December of 2017, and um, there's also a lot going on astrologically, as we know, uh, both just in the general uh, mundane a- astrological aspects of December t- uh, this December, as well as in the Bitcoin chart as well. I think the. Um, the the full moon. Um, we found that Bitcoin really likes full moons in general, and um, it can like eclipses. And we we found that North Node eclipses uh, tend to be quite favorable um, in general uh, for Bitcoin and other markets. Now South Node eclipses are a little bit different. We have to be much more careful there. 
Um, so we really discriminate on the basis of uh, which node is being activated uh, in the eclipse. But there's two other major things going on in the Bitcoin chart aside from the eclipse. And one is that Bitcoin is about to have its 12-year cycle Jupiter return. Um, so I think that that's also a major uh, factor in this new all-time high. Yeah. Well, why don't we? So let's let's back up and let's start. Let's introduce this to our audience and, and first talk about what is Bitcoin and and when it originated. So take us back. Let's say twelve years. Um, first, let's define like what is Bitcoin as a as a cryptocurrency. Well, Bitcoin is essentially uh, you know digital digital money. Um, and and uh, as as I've spoken to you before about Uranus and Taurus, you know, being a kind of a technological revolution um, in finance and potentially, you know, a disruptive uh, force uh, in how we think about money. Um, you know, Bitcoin is the next could be. Uh, many people think it is the next iteration of of money. Um, you know, if we look back historically, of course, you know, money started as kind of shells and trinkets and so forth and evolved into silver and gold coinage, which, you know, later in the more modern times became the paper money that was backed by gold. Um, and then, you know, that then we got rid of the gold standard. It became backed by the full faith and credit of the government. Um, you know, and 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 then of course we had uh, credit cards and money started to become digital. So Bitcoin is really the next iteration you know, of money as just pure digital existing in the in, on the internet realm. Um, and it is, um, you know, it, it could become the first global um, internet, you know, money that transcends national boundaries, um, national currencies, and so forth and so on. Um, okay, it's so it's, also, like, it's, a, it's like a digital currency, basically, um, that doesn't have any that it, that is entirely based on the value that's sort of attributed to it. It's not something that exists out there um, like a physical thing, like let's say gold or a uh, diamond or something like that. But instead, it's a purely digital currency. Well, this is a fascinating subject, Chris, and and we could we could literally do a pot. You know, we could have, we could talk about this. Is such a complex subject about what money is, what value is, right? Uh, and um, and what Bitcoin is, is, a, is actually a hotly debated subject, to be honest. There's several different opinions on, on, on what Bitcoin is. Um, so that's a complex, that's a complex subject. I just want to, I just want to say that. Okay. Um, so we can say that Bitcoin is, you know, um, is, some people say, you know, cryptocurrencies are basically a new asset class, right? So kind of like stocks and commodities, but they're their own thing. The question of, of what gives Bitcoin value is a very good point, Chris. And a lot of people you know, have dismissed Bitcoin in the past because they say, well, what is it? It's not backed by anything. It just it exists on the internet. It's based on, on faith alone. And what I've always told people is, you know, I mean, gold has no intrinsic value of its own either. It's a shiny, pretty, pretty metal. Of course, it, it, it does have some industrial uses, but that's not really what gives it its value. You know, what gives the U.S. dollar, what gives the U.S. dollar its value is, is, is basically the full faith and credit of the United States government. Um, so, you know, it's all, all money, all value is based on a collective belief systems. And so in that way, Bitcoin is not any different from the U.S. dollar 
um, or gold. Um, and, and I think that that's, and this is just my own personal opinion, of course. I think that that's a big confusing issue for many people to kind of wrap their heads around because all units of value, whether it's the dollar, you know, what's the difference between a $1 bill and a $100 bill, essentially? They're both exactly the same piece of paper. It's only an idea that that really, you know, gives them, there's that, that creates the difference. That being said, we'll all take the $100 bill over the $1 bill. And that's because we're all invested in that consensus reality. And so Bitcoin is really no different than that. And that's what I think people have really been missing over the years, uh, which is that it's, it's just a consensus reality. What gives Bitcoin value is that people have faith in it. Um, I mean, there are some concrete things that give it value. Um, people like the fact that it's not controlled by a bank or a corporation. Um, people like the fact that it's based on hardcore mathematical software protocol that's never been hacked by the most, you know, ex by the top hackers in the world. Um, so the uh, it does have uh, it does have value based on uh, the fact that it is the mathematical cryptography of Bitcoin. Um, and also, you know, the energy that's used to create it also gives it a certain amount of value. And so many people essentially, one of the arguments for Bitcoin is, is that it's, it's, uh, you know, it's, um, what's the word that we look for here? It, it's a, it, it is a shared unit of value. It's a store of value. So different than, different than, um, a currency, which is a more a medium, a currency is a, is a unit of exchange and a store of value. Bitcoin so far really isn't that much of a uni unit of exchange. It's a little too clumsy to be used as a payment system uh, right now. Now that may change in the future, but essentially it's being used more like a digital gold 2.0. A lot of people are saying that it's really, the, the, the main argument for Bitcoin right now is more like a gold 2.0 for the modern world. And uh, yeah. I know, uh, and I, I hope I that think... that makes sense. I think um, scarcity is another element because there's only a certain number of bitcoins that will ever exist in the world, and maybe we can get into why that is. I wanted to mention really quickly there was a, a talk that I was watching that was recommended to me by my um, editor, who I wanted to give a shout out to, Stephen Kopic, who is into Bitcoin by Andreas Antonopoulos, oh, yeah. and he was talking about how money is speech, and that was like part of the central thesis of his talk is that all money is speech and that it conveys. Value that is attributed to it, but it also communicates or, or transfers something between individuals. And that really made me think of the ancient associations, the mercantile associations with the planet Mercury that run through the astrological tradition, which is something you can go back and read in like Ptolemy or especially in Vadius Valens. Um, that just the associations of money with at least with, with commerce and things with Mercury. Uh, as well as speech, but maybe that's way too <laughs> sort of philosophical and abstract of a of a route for us to go down right now. Why don't we try to frame this by going back to the history, to the founding of this, where um, Bitcoin is introduced in two thousand in the year two thousand eight and two thousand nine? Correct. Yes, uh, I mean Bitcoin. The very first Bitcoin was created uh, on January, uh, I believe it was January third, two thousand nine. And so that's what's interesting, and this is one of the reasons why astrologers get interested and excited about this, is that because it's a digital thing that was created on January 3rd and we know when the first Bitcoin is created, that means we kind of have a birth chart for Bitcoin basically, right? 
Well, as uh, you had mentioned earlier uh, when we talked, uh, there are several possible charts for Bitcoin. Of course, there was the white paper that was a few months before that, which is kind of putting the concept of Bitcoin out into the world. Um, we can think of that maybe more as like the conception, perhaps. Um, and, but the actual birth, I think the most commonly accepted uh, chart for Bitcoin is is the Genesis block, what's known as the Genesis block of Bitcoin. And that was the first Bitcoin ever created um, on the software protocol of the blockchain. And that was time stamped, luckily for astrologers, uh, for 6.15 uh, p.m. Uh, Greenwich Mean Time. So we have an exact date and time for Bitcoin, for the Bitcoin chart. What we don't have is uh, an, a, a known location. And there are several possible uh, ideas about wh uh, where the location um, where the location is, but uh, we is, we don't know for sure. And this is partially because the founder decide of Bitcoin um, is anonymous and decided to put this out into the world anonymously, and so some of the origins, both of their background, whoever that is, as well as some of the origins of, of Bitcoin, although we can see traces of it are a bit mysterious, but. That's one of the limitations is we don't, nobody knows ultimately where the founder of Bitcoin was located when they mined or created the first Bitcoin. We just do know the, the time and the date, which is January 3rd, 2009 at 6.15 p.m. Uh, Greenwich Mean Time, basically. Yeah, it's. I mean, you can't you can't make this stuff up. I mean, it's really a great mystery novel. We, you know, it's one of the great mysteries of the 21st century. I think is is who created Bitcoin. He's known only by the pseudonym Satoshi Nakamoto, and um, uh, he's widely considered to be an expert in cryptography. And so he covered all of his tracks that he ever left uh, in any type of emails or internet um, activity or transactions of any kind. And Essentially, nobody's ever been able to figure out who he was, or some people uh, believe it may have been a group of people. Right. So we there were like a few steps along the way that are sort of documented where they were using this pseudonym where they first um, published. Well, the first thing they did was they registered the Bitcoin.org website, and the date for that that I found was August eighteenth, two thousand eight. Um, I didn't check the time, so this is not a timed chart, and I also don't know the location. But this would have been actually, I thought was interesting, was just after, because I remember the set of eclipses that was happening that summer where there was a solar eclipse in Leo, and then there was a lunar eclipse in Aquarius, which would have been just a couple of days before the founding of this um, website. So they must have been starting to get it together at this point, and they registered the Bitcoin.org website on August 18th, 2008. Then um, a few months later, they published that paper, which outlined basically the the concept of Bitcoin and and the sort of revolutionary concept underlying the technology. Um, and that paper was published on October thirty first, two thousand eight. What was the main thing in terms of outlining the technology, and what is the blockchain like? How how can we explain that to to people? Um. I'll do my best, Chris. <laughs> okay, I'm not certainly not an expert. Uh, I don't consider myself an expert on the on you know Bit, uh, Bit, uh, the blockchain technology. But essentially, I mean, the blockchain is essentially a digitized ledger system. I mean, it's 
Um, the, the, the big innovation was the decentralized nature of it, that it's run on multiple computer systems around the world and there's no one controlling entity. So that's, um, you know, that's known as a decentralized structure. Um, right. otherwise, so, so no, you know, so it's no. essentially just a, a distributed ledger software program, not that different from an Excel spreadsheet. The really big innovation was the decentralized nature of it. Um, and having the the miners uh, sort of solve these complex cryptographic problems that would uh, uh, um, uh, give permission on the trans transaction system, and they get rewarded in the bit in in Bitcoin. Right. So it's a it's a currency, but unlike other currencies, it's not controlled by a, a government. So it's completely decentralized and not under the control of any one person. That's part of the innovation. Yes, not not under the control of any one entity, um, a corporation, bank. Um, even there's many different mining um, operations, and none of them has any uh, majority uh, control over the system. So, uh, you know, the blockchain itself is an immutable ledger. You know, every transaction that's ever been recorded is on the blockchain. You can see it on the blockchain. Um, so uh, that gives it a certain, um, uh, you know, that uh, that was uh, one of the technological innovations that Satoshi Nakamoto made. Um, I think block, you know, blockchains are being used by companies and corporations now as well, but it's different because those are centralized. They're, they are controlled by a single entity. And that's a very different, it's a very important point. And that's very different than what Bitcoin is and most of the other cryptocurrencies are because of the de decentralized and distributed ledger system. And that makes them invulnerable to a hacking attack. Um, the only thing that could really crash Bitcoin was if one entity tried to take a 51% control over the mining process. And at this point with Bitcoin in the 19,000s, that would cost hundreds of billions of dollars. So it's pretty much beyond the reach of anybody except the biggest governments in the world. Okay, so so the paper was was published in late October, and then eventually um, this anonymous founder, Satoshi, um, created his system and created and mined, so to speak, the first Bitcoin on January third, two thousand nine, and so we don't have. I'm I'm going to set this. There's different charts that astrologers use based on it's different speculations. It's important to mention um, that the one of those innovations of the blockchain was to enable peer-to-peer -peer transmission of value without uh, by completely sidestepping uh, the global financial system. Right, because this is also coming out of the global financial collapse that had just happened in the banking system that had just happened in 2008 and leading into 2009. And so this is created, and, and Satoshi embedded like a message in the first Bitcoin uh, creation, right, that, that referred to some of those events. Yes, and, and another one of his ideas was to create an inflation-proof store of value that couldn't be manipulated by central banks. Um, and that's a very important concept because what we're seeing you know, right now with um, central banks around the world is this idea of quantitating easing, quantitative easing, which is a kind of a magical money thinking uh, um, and really manipulating currencies. Um, I'm, I'm not necessarily a bad thing, but it does uh, can create lots of different inflationary problems in the future. And Bitcoin is one of the things it's supposed to prevent against 
it's supposed to be an inf- inflation proof essentially because it does have that limited number 20 only 21 million bitcoin will ever be created right and that's so it's between now and what like 2140 there's there's like a set time frame for how many bitcoins yeah. will ever be created and it's something like 21 million and already yeah. 18 million of 18 them million. have been created and every four years, the circulating supply gets reduced. Not the circulating supply, but the amount of new Bitcoin is reduced every four years. Known An event that's known as a minor reward halving. And we just had one um, in May of 2020. And mm. uh, that's uh, another uh, reason I think that we're seeing um, you know, this new all-time high prices in Bitcoin is because the, um, the amount of new Bitcoin being created is shrinking. While the interest and demand in Bitcoin is slowly rising, okay, and maybe we should talk about what mining is because that's how bitcoins are <laughs> created. And I remember back because uh, I was on Reddit in like two thousand nine and two thousand ten, and I and that's more it tended to be more tech focused back then. So I sort of was aware of some of this and thought about create uh, making a computer to to mine Bitcoin mm-hmm. early on, and I bought and traded some of them, but. Uh, was too broke to like at that time in my <laughs> life to like you know set up a major rig to mine a bunch of them. But all you have to do is have a computer that has some um, decently strong computer, especially with a like a gaming computer that has a GPU and that can run um, mathematical processes. And what happens is you get the Bitcoin client, and then you can run it. And if you run it for a certain amount of time, it will. It has some complex mathematical um, sort of formulas that your computer can attempt to crack, and it will keep trying over and over again until eventually, if it tries enough times, it will crack one of those codes. And if your computer successfully does that, then you'll get some bitcoins as a result of that. Is like the short version of that. Is that more or less accurate? Do you think? Um, Yeah, I mean, uh, people can't do that on their own personal computers anymore. Um, mm-hmm. Because the it requires too much computing power at this point, you have to right. really have su- you have to have super computing power. You actually have to have a very specialized mining mining rig. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, it's it's more for like these uh, bigger. Yeah, it's not like kind of it's not DIY. It, it was back then when you were talking about it, but it's not yeah, anymore. Yeah. But well, essentially, just, but- your essential point is correct. Uh, the miners uh, they they solve the crypt the cryptographic. Problem that allows the transactions to be anonymous and encrypted, and um, they compete against each other to solve to solve those uh, those cryptography problems. And the the first computer to solve it gets rewarded in Bitcoin. Yeah, so it's like the, just to take it back to that time frame. That's how it was originally, where yeah. it was some something anybody could download the it program was, and yes. could run it and try to mine Bitcoin just by having your computer run these. Um, these numbers over and over again until eventually it gets one. Ideally, although there's people around the world doing the same thing, so everybody was competing. But um, part of the process of that is the computers running those numbers. Um, it's also uh, doing a, a distributed way to keep track of the ledger around the world. So they're actually doing something that contributes to the overall functioning of the system and propagates it in a way, right? That's exactly correct. Yes. Okay. So, so you used to be able to do that if you just had like a gaming PC, but yeah. then the the Bitcoin codes that the computers had to crack kept getting increasingly more and more complex, right? 
That's exactly what happened. Yes. And take more and more energy to do so. Um, and that is one of the uh, criticisms of Bitcoin is the energy usage component. Um, by the way, you still can, um, people can do it on their home uh, computer systems for certain other cryptocurrencies. I'm not sure uh, exactly which ones right now, but there are other cryptocurrencies that you can still uh, set up mining on your home computer system as long as you have a very sophisticated rig. Sure. So, um, yeah, so it started out that way with just individual computers and then it became people had to have multiple computers and then now it's actually something where there's entire like warehouses out there right. in different countries where they <laughs> yeah. have like thousands of computers that are all running the bitcoin mining programs at the same time right. and they're trying to mine bitcoin because now it's become something really valuable and so there's huge like million dollar investments or maybe maybe even billion dollar I don't know investments trying to um get more and more bitcoins while it's still possible since there's still what like 3 million left to mine or something like that. I believe that's correct. Yes, that's a accurate characterization of the mining situation. Okay. So initially in let's say 2009, 2008 or 2009, 2010 bitcoin didn't have any value, but people started trading it for different things and I know one of the early trades was somebody traded like <laughs> 10,000 bitcoin or something yeah. for uh, a couple of pizzas from like yeah. a pizza place or something, right? <laughs> That's a very famous story. Yeah. I mean, those Bitcoins would be worth in the billions of dollars now. So I'm sure that that person is uh, having some regret of very expensive pizza dinner. Yeah. But it, it was also one of the ways <laughs> that the, that it, it started to contain actual value is just by people starting to use it to trade things. And yeah. eventually that, that built up and it started actually raising in value and going up and fluctuating to be worth like a few dollars and then $10 and then 100 and then eventually it's worth the recent peak was what what did we say $19,000 per just per bitcoin just shy of $20,000 yeah it really gained like a cult following in the you know among kind of tech nerds and I know uh, my friend, uh, one of my friends said, yeah, that's just a bunch of nerd money, you know, and kind of laughed it off um, a few, you know, this was years ago. Um, but of course, uh, the nerds usually do uh, have their revenge. And uh, so nobody's calling it nerd money anymore. Um, but it did originally, you know, start within the, the cypherpunk movement um, in, the, in the earlier part of the 21st century and did gain a kind of a cult following among gamers and techies and um, you know, and so forth. Yeah, and I remember part of the appeal of Bitcoin early on was the anonymous nature of it, and so it was used also, especially um, on some websites. Got set up like the Silk Road website in oh, order yeah. to sell like drug drugs and other illicit stuff, and be able to use Bitcoin anonymously to basically have financial transactions. And that was actually that's a, there's an interesting story because I was just catching up and reviewing some of that recently, and it turns out that we have the a birth time and a birth chart for the founder of the Silk Road website, who eventually was arrested and and he was sentenced to like two lifetime sentences in in prison, um, which is kind of a sad uh, story. But if anybody yeah. wanted to study that piece of the early history of mm. Bitcoin, that's kind of an interesting. You know, side note um, about yes. how it initially gained some value as a currency. Yeah, Ross Ulbricht, I believe, is the uh, the, the founder of the the Silk Road. I I I could be wrong about the name, but I, I think that that was him. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, and of course, Bitcoin did gain a, a notorious or, you know, sort of infamous notoriety as, you know, being used for surreptitious uh, dark web activity. Um, and um, I think that that was unfortunate, really. Um, and and I think that that, you know, held Bitcoin back for many years was that people associated it with the Silk Road and with uh, the kind of the dark web and underground drug deals and so forth like that. Um, and I think that that's, you know, kind of the, um, that was back in the the Wild West days of the, of, of the Bitcoin. And I think it's a, you know, a very different thing today. Yeah, definitely. Um, so. By the way, that. it's an interesting point about the anonymity of it. Um, you know, we can say it is an anonymous, you know, it does allow for anonymous transactions. So for example, um, um, if I wanted to send you, if we wanted to do a transaction, but we didn't know each other, um, we could send each other Bitcoin and we would not know, we would not have to know either each other's identity. However, if the FBI or the CIA wanted to find out about that transaction, it is, uh, you know, on the blockchain. So uh, they could through, they could, you know, they, an organization of law enforcement does have the means to figure out who did the transactions in most cases. So it is anonymous to a point in that it does allow for anonymous peer-to-peer -peer money transactions, but it's not anonymous in the sense that nobody could ever figure out who the parties to the transaction were. Right, because technically that's part of the blockchain is that all of all transactions that have ever occurred are actually technically public because they're part of the entire system. Yes, and the, each transaction would have a, a, a signature for the wallet delivery for where the Bitcoin went from and where it went to. And if mm -hmm. some type of uh, you know law enforcement agency with the means to figure that out, it could you know could link the wallet to the person unless the person went to extraordinary means to 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 keep the wallet anonymous, and that would require some specialized skill sets and knowledge that most people don't have. Yeah. Eventually you'd have to cash the bitcoin out somewhere and that's, you know, where do you where do you do that? Uh you could do it somebody could uh, give you cash for the bitcoin um and that would be an anonymous transaction too, but that requires a lot of trust. <laughs> um, right. So there are ways to do it. Um there are other cryptocurrencies that are much more anonymous uh, like Monero and some of the newer ones. Monero is probably the most well-known one. I think maybe Zcash is one of them. I could be wrong, but there's a couple of uh, there's a couple of cryptocurrencies that are really designed to be a specifically anonymous, and those are of a much higher level of encryption and anonymity um, that even law enforcement can't necessarily uh, track down the transactions. Right, and so um, Bitcoin wasn't the first. There were other. Uh, digital currencies and different ideas before Bitcoin, but it was one of the first ones, or the first one, to solve through the blockchain, introducing the blockchain technology, um, the issue of like multiple payments coming through at the same time and how to how to avoid that or or some specific issue. Oh, the the double spending problem, uh, right? Which is uh, a, a huge. That's that's the one of the problems that Bitcoin solved. Right, because uh, and that's um, you know uh, that has to do with how the blockchain is set up and how the mining system sets up. Because if any one of the miners uh, tries to spend to double spend, you know, uh, basically put this the same Bitcoin in two different places, then all the other miners will reject the transaction. Um, so that's an important uh, feature of the Bitcoin blockchain. Okay, so once Bitcoin then was launched, there were a series of other 
other sort of uh, cryptocurrencies that, that followed and used similar technology to imitate it or sometimes to try to improve upon what Bitcoin did. And now there's, there's hundreds of those, right? There's hundreds of them, yeah. Smart contracts is uh, the new technological breakthrough of cryptocurrencies such as Ethereum and um, Chainlink is another one that I like a lot. It has a great um, inception chart, by the way, and that's another um, cryptocurrency that we've been doing an astro analysis on. And um, we've, uh, we really think that's a promising project um, on the, in smart contract technology. Um, and there's, yeah, the smart contract is kind of the main competition, right? Uh, you know, Bitcoin is basically um, trying to digitalize finance and financial transactions. And what smart contracts are trying to do is really digitalize almost all types of human co commerce and commercial activity and transactions. So it could be real estate, could be legal contracts, could be very complex um, type of business deals and transactions and so forth like that. So it's kind of the next iteration of uh, cryptocurrencies. I mean, cryptocurrencies, you know, they... It's kind of a misnomer in a way, um, you know, I mean, they are based on cryptography. I think digital assets, you know, I think in some ways is a really, maybe a better term for them, um, for the for the modern age. And um, by the way, I could recommend a book uh, by Chris Berniski called, uh, uh, he's written several books about, about cryptocurrency investing and so forth. And um, uh, also Nathaniel Popper, the uh, New York Times journalist has written a great book about Bitcoin. It's a little out of date at this point, but... Um, those are two authors. Uh, Chris Berniski is considered to be one of the top experts on cryptocurrencies in the world um, from an investment and trading perspective. Uh, as you mentioned, Andreas Antonopoulos is uh, considered to be a kind of a Bitcoin guru, also someone you can uh, Google on YouTube. He's got some great talks about Bitcoin. So some of your listeners and followers who are interested in pursuing this subject deeper, I recommend listening to talks by Andreas Antonopoulos and reading books uh, by those authors. And um, also, Tom Lee of Fundstrat has been, a, for many years, a big proponent of Bitcoin uh, and cryptocurrency investing as well. Um, and I just remembered that we meant to make a statement at the beginning that neither of us are like financial advisors, so we're not trying to give financial advice in this episode necessarily, or what was the best way to frame that? Uh, yeah, I put that in our notes somewhere. I don't have it in front of me, but essentially neither me or Chris are financial advisors. And um, when we get into the more astrological aspects of this, I just want to say that any of the techniques that we're using or talking about on this show, that we're not going to take any responsibility or liability for any investment decisions or trading decisions that you might make based on this astrological information. Um, it's basically, uh, we're not giving any financial advice on this show today. Thank you. Okay. So um, let's back it up. Sorry for the long detours. I'm just trying to ease in those of our audience who aren't familiar or who this is a new topic into the whole thing. Let's get into the chart of Bitcoin and let's finish that initial thing. So we talked about him, this anonymous guy, Satoshi, um, you know, starting the website over the summer after that eclipse and then eventually releasing the white paper that outlined the sort of revolutionary um, math and innovations and technology underlying Bitcoin. And then he actually did it in January, on January 3rd of 2009, and basically created the first Bitcoin. We don't have the location. What are some of the, you said there's four or five possible locations that have been speculated for the location, right? 
Uh, yes, that's correct. Um, from the research that I did, and I, you know, when I got really interested in Bitcoin, which was in the summer of 2017, I, um, you know, kind of fell down the rabbit hole, as people say, and you'll find that it's, it's just an enormously fascinating and complex subject, and it's very easy to get obsessed with. And I know I'm not the only one who became obsessed with it. Um, and why do there, why do astrologers? Somebody. Um... Uh, 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 academic named Omari, I'm forgetting his uh, last name, uh, asked why some astrologers do get so into this. And I thought that was an interesting question. It seems like it's partially because um, it has to, it's something that has to do with like a technology that's very much about the future and that the full implications of it might not be fully clear now, but um, it could be something that changes the wor- world in a major way. And is that Part of why astrologers get so into this, or or why would well, you say? it's not just astrologers who get obsessed with Bitcoin. Um, so uh, we look at the Bitcoin chart, we see that Mars Pluto Sun Stellium, uh, which mm. you know certainly would be uh, would be obsessive, <laughs> have an obsessive characteristic. So I think it's kind of inherent in the nature of Bitcoin. Um, That's a good to point. sort of have this, there's something, there's some obsessive quality about it that once you know about it and you start reading about it, um, it it, it, be, it can easily become an obsession. And you know, as I mentioned to you earlier when we talked, uh, you know, there's a huge following of Bitcoin around the world, and especially on Twitter. Uh, and you know, there's technical analysts, financial analysts, uh, such as myself, and in, indeed, who follow every movement in the price of posting price charts and astrological correlations. In my case, and um, you know, really, people really follow this thing very closely and are very obsessed with it. Um, astrologers, as well as non-astrologers, people in finance, people who are trading, it, it's fascinating um, to study it and to track it. And I think that does have to do something with the qualities of the natal chart. That you posted, yeah. So let's. Uh, I'll go ahead and describe this chart because we know for sure that the first Bitcoin was created on this day. So we know the planetary positions and the aspects are more or less correct. Um, we're just not entirely sure about the houses and the locations. So, oh yes. Um, so to answer your question, yes. There, from my research indicates there's about four or five people, and generally, it's generally accepted that there's about four or five people in the world. Who have the overlapping skill sets of uh, s- software engineering and cryptographics to have created uh, Bitcoin? Um, Craig Wright is one of them. He's from Australia, so some people use a Sydney, Australia chart. That's pretty much been debunked. I mean, it's kind of funny. Uh, Craig Wright is is widely disliked in the cryptocurrency con- community. Actually, despised would be a better word. So it would be very ironic if he was the creator of it. Um, and then uh, I know one of them was in um, uh, Dublin. Was an Irish, uh, was an Irishman. Um, you know, uh, the white the 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 Genesis block does have that snippet of information from the Financial Times of London imprinted in it. So we know he was an English speaker, probably um, either British or uh, lived somewhere or originated somewhere within the Commonwealth of Great Britain, which could be many different countries. Um, so. It doesn't really tell us the location, but Dublin is one, London is one, Tokyo, because because the pseudonym is Satoshi Nakamoto. Nakamoto, you know, people give some credence to the idea that the person could have been Japanese. Um, so those are pretty much the top the top guesses for the location. But um, in in um, in the forecast system that I use, um, we just I just don't use um, an ascendant or the houses because it's really a guess. 
Rectification is not one of my personal strong suits as an astrologer. I haven't really tried to rectify it, but uh, maybe you and I could work on that, Chris. Uh, you're probably better at it than I am. Yeah, it would be a fun project to attempt to rectify. It's hard not knowing for sure that it could be anywhere in the world, um, and we'll have to keep that in mind. I'll set this for London. It seems like I'm getting a sense that that's the most commonly used one, even though it's entirely speculative, but just to remind people that we, since we don't know, you should be really careful, and that's a tricky thing, not just in financialist. It's one of the biggest hurdles I've ever had in getting into financial astrology is you often don't know the date or time or sometimes location for certain inception charts, which is really crucial for astrology. It's also one of the issues that is frustrating about the anonymity of the founders. We have therefore no access point for even approaching you know, them astrologically, but you know, well, I'll tell you some- something. Um, I have a location and a founder for Ethereum. You know, uh, Vitalik Buterin, and um, that hasn't made the predictions more accurate okay. <laughs> for Ethereum. Right. Um, but that has a, somewhat to do with all uh, the other cryptocurrencies. In many ways, just follow the overall Bitcoin uh, chart uh, and yeah. price action. Um, so that's uh, a more separate, complex subject. Well, it's actually a good example of how sometimes when you start something and it creates a foundation chart for whatever you create at that time, that sometimes that thing then takes on a life of its own that's that's entirely outside of whoever created it. Especially something like this, where we know, you know, that they're going to bitcoins are going to be continually created until what twenty one forty. So certainly long after the founder, <laughs> if they're still alive, is dead. This thing is still going to be out there. Affecting the world in different ways. So here's the chart for um, the first, the creation of the first Bitcoin on January 3rd, 2009 at 6:15 p.m. Just setting it for London. Um, one of the interesting things about this chart right away that we see is there's a stellium of planets in Capricorn, where uh, Pluto is at one degree of Capricorn, Mars at five, the Sun at 13, and then Jupiter at 29:33 Capricorn. Um, then it has Mercury at two degrees of Aquarius, the North Node at nine degrees of Aquarius, Neptune at 22 degrees of Aquarius. Um, then in the following sign, Venus is at zero Pisces, Uranus is at 19 Pisces, and it's very closely opposite to Saturn at 21 Virgo. So there's a pretty close Saturn Uranus opposition in this chart. The Moon, and this is a little tricky because the Moon can move. Up to 13 degrees during the course of a day. So this could be off, but at least at this time in this chart, it's at four degrees of Aries. Um, well, and with then, the timestamp, uh, it's pretty uh, it's pretty confirmed. So we know that the moon is there because we know it's, I guess, that exact time, but we don't know. I guess I'm trying to think. Yeah, I guess you're right. So it is. So that the moon position is yeah. definitely correct. We the just don't know if the moon position is correct. No matter what location you use, you're still going to get the moon at four degrees. Got it. Good as long point. as you okay. use the six fifteen time at uh, a Greenwich Mean Time. Got it. Good point. Okay, so it's just the ascendant and the yeah. houses and that the we houses, don't know yeah. because we're not fully certain about the location. Yeah, and that's interesting too. I, I just might mention that a lot of people have asked me about Vedic astrology and Jyotish, which I have a great respect for. Um, but their their uh, uh, their forecast system is based on the dashas, and is really essential to have the accurate ascendant. Um, and so has uh, I believe not as accurate um, as the Western system for cases uh, 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 such as Bitcoin. 
Yeah, well, and, and even in the Western, like ancient Western astrology, there's some techniques that I'd like to be able to apply to this chart, like zodiac releasing, but without a location and without houses, it yeah. becomes very speculative. So, yeah. but there's other techniques that are not as dependent on houses, like transits, and that turns out to be one of the primary predictive techniques that you have had success looking at this chart with. Excellent um, success, yes. But before we go into that, let's just talk about some of the other distinctive sure. features of this sure, chart. Sure. One of the things that I yeah. saw and noticed right away as soon as I pulled up this chart is um, it's happening in this whole period of January of 2009, which was very distinctive in my memory. Because one of the things that's interesting about it is that it was like a few weeks later that um, Barack Obama was elected to his first term in office. And one of the things that this chart reminded me of was that Saturn-Uranus opposition that was mm. happening. And I think it was going exact around the time that he was elected in November of 2008. That's and I right. remember- That's right. His- and that correlated, in, uh, by the way, to the collapse of the Lehman Brothers uh, Bank in the financial crisis of 2008. Yeah. So it's like we've got um, two major mundane outer planet transit combinations that had been happening over that time frame. One of them was the Saturn Uranus opposition and the like instability and the major shifts and changes and unexpected developments that were happening as a result of that. And I remember, you know, one of the things that was distinctive about Obama's first campaign was that his, one of his slogans was uh, change. And that was very tied in with, I, I felt like at the time, like that Saturn Uranus opposition. So, regardless of one's political views and like whether he delivered, delivered on that or not, I think at least. We can acknowledge that him running on that as his sort of campaign or slogan ended up getting keyed into something that was going on in the sort of collective psyche at the time, and I think it was very much tied into that Saturn Uranus opposition. Um, the yeah, other, yeah, and uh, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. Oh well, the other thing was that it's just after Pluto's ingress into Capricorn, which of course was also connected to the 2008 financial crisis and a kind of a new. Um, a kind of a new era in finance that was um, correlated with many different, um, you know, features, especially the quantitative easing by central banks to um, stem the financial crisis of 2008. Um, but I think also, uh, you know, is is something notable for a new, you know, a Bitcoin as a kind of a disruptive new technology for a new era, as associated with Pluto's ingress into, you know. Uh, Capricorn, the sign of business and markets and commerce and finance. Yeah, definitely. So here's the Saturn Uranus opposition going exact on November 4th, which I believe was election day. And then we see later that month um, Pluto ingressing into Capricorn in November uh, of 2008. And just the entire worldwide economic system was in free fall at that point, I think, still ever since what was it like September of 2008? Yeah, that's right. I believe it was September of 2008 when things started falling apart. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, yeah, the astrologers often associate the economic collapse that happened at that time, especially with that Pluto ingress into Capricorn, um, and then some of the instability and major changes with the Saturn Uranus opposition at the same time. So, it's interesting then from that perspective that Bitcoin partially comes out of that. Um, time frame, but also get some of the essence of or the quality of that moment kind of embedded in its very birth chart. Totally, yes, I, I agree with your uh, observations. 
Okay. So um, what are some of the other distinctive things about this chart just in and of itself? So we have- Sure. Um, yeah. What are some of the other things? Um, well, I mean, I think this is a strong chart. And, you know, one of the things in 2017, when I started researching, you know, Bitcoin was like, let's look at the natal chart and let's look at what this thing is. Let's try to understand it a little bit better. Um, and uh, what we see in the in the Genesis block chart, you know, is a stellium of Pluto, Mars, and the Sun in Capricorn. And, you know, that's, that's a fierce, there's a fierceness to this uh, to this thing, whatever it is, if it was a person, it would be a warrior. You know, it would be a it would be battle ready. It's tough. It's tenacious. It's ruthless. I liken it to the Terminator. It's not something that can be easily stopped. It's a force to be reckoned with. That was kind of my initial hit when I uh, just immediately looking at the chart. I was just kind of taken aback by it for a minute, to be honest. And I thought, wow, this is something that is going to it's going to win. It wants to win. It's highly competitive, and it will absolutely push everything out of its way until it, its obstacles are overcome and its goals are achieved. Um, we've seen in medical astrology that um, Mars-Pluto aspects really relate to e extreme stamina, physical strength, and endurance. And I think we can make a kind of correspondence to that in financial astrology. Is this something that's that's very tough? Um, the other thing I noticed about the natal chart was it has three planets that are exalted. Uh, Venus is exalted in Pisces here. That's good from a financial standpoint. Um, even though Pisces isn't really a money sign, um, Venus is a money planet. It does often indicate wealth and the good things in life. Um, and so um, that's um, a strong value proposition. It's in a tight sextile with Pluto. And I think that's a wealth aspect in financial astrology. It indicates a uh, powerful potential for value and wealth. Um, it also has Mars is exalted in Capricorn and does very well in markets, business competition. It's, you know, Mars is in Capricorn, Mars is competitive in the realm of finance and money and markets and business. So I think that's a good placement for an, uh, for Bitcoin. Um, Jupiter's debilitated in Capricorn. That's, um, you know, maybe a minor problem, but it hasn't seemed to be too much of an issue. Um, uh, and, Mercury also is uh, uh, exalted, at least in a modern uh, astrology. Uh, that would be an interesting show, Chris. I've always been wondered uh, where uh, Mercury, just to go on a short tangent, but when was Mercury decided to be exalted in Aquarius and um, how, that, the, how that happened? I know that's a more modern astrology, right? Uh, uh, Hellenistic astrologers don't consider that an exaltation. Yeah, that's something that I think just came about sometime in the past hundred years. Um, I think in some of the the New Age astrology, where the sign of Aquarius started being attributed these additional properties of being, you know, this positive upcoming age of enlightenment and peace and everything else, and some of the stuff with Mercury, I think, ended up getting tied into with that. But yeah, I'll have to do an episode on that at some point. Um, yeah, it's an interesting subject. I know there's actually quite a bit of a, a sort of debate about that. But either way, uh, we could say that Mercury does very well in, in Aquarius. Uh, the cold, hard, logical analysis of Aquarius uh, is is very compatible with uh, the planetary principle of Mercury. It's a good communicator. Uh, uh, Martin Luther King Jr. had uh, Mercury in Aquarius, one of the greatest orators of all time. So we can say it's a good placement, whether it's exalted or not. Um, some other things, as you pointed out, of course, is the opposition between Uranus and Saturn. By the way, before I say that, I'll say that we've been tracking the stellium in Capricorn is probably the most important 
um, from the um, in terms of tracking, uh, you know, the price action, the transits to that stellium are highly, highly active, and uh, it's very sensitive points in the chart in terms of the price movement. So that's where you definitely want to build your whole forecast around that stellium, um, and then um, and then secondarily, as the Venus position is very active. Um, we, we think that when Jupiter hits Pisces, uh, this is, uh, we'll talk about this later in the show, but when Jupiter hits that zero degrees Pisces and conjuncts the Bitcoin natal Venus, um, we think that that could be a very interesting um, and favorable time for Bitcoin. But we have noticed that that's also a very active point. Um, and then the opposition between Uranus and Saturn is a very active, and we see that trines and sextiles to that position usually indicate favorable price action that moves up. And we see that oftentimes squares and oppositions to either Uranus, to Uranus and Saturn. So making T squares uh, tend to uh, create very volatile, wild swings in the price. Um, yeah. That, so that Saturn Uranus opposition really reminds me of just as a thing in astrology itself, just the keyword. I, I think of when I see that as volatility. And it's yes. interesting that that's become one of the main. Things that that Bitcoin, for better or worse, is also associated with is just its volatility and the ability to to go to swing wildly up or swing wildly yes. down. Yes, it's it's one of the most volatile aspects on Earth, and that's one of the reasons that people like to trade it because traders love volatility. Mm. Uh, movements, uh, the more movement, the better, because that gives you the more opportunity to capitalize. It's also, but it's also more dangerous and risky. Because it means you can get easily chopped up by the price action in the short term and lose money um, on on short term trading. Um, in the long term, we've seen that Bitcoin has just pretty much consistently uh, moved up over the last five to ten years since its inception. What? Um, but it is inherently unstable. What tracker do you use to follow? I think you gave me one recently, and I forget what it was. Mm -hmm. The price of Bitcoin. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, the most commonly used one is uh, TradingView. That's a website uh, that has uh, price charts for every asset on Earth uh, uh, for pretty much every market from stocks and commodities uh, to Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies um, and various different other features. I mean, you can look at Bitcoin volatility, you can look at Bitcoin dominance versus alts, you can look at gold and silver ratios, you can look at the NASDAQ. Uh, you can look at the Dow Jones. You can look at individual stocks. So that's that's the pro trading website that most uh, financial traders and investors are going to use for tracking price movements um, for Bitcoin and and pretty much every other market. Okay, so here is the. It's a free. Uh, it's a free website, uh, but uh, you, if you pay, uh, you can get. Uh, you can use more features on it. Okay, so here's the. Just for those watching the video version, just to show you, um, you know, the change over time and how steady Bitcoin was for a long time when it was, you know, years ago in some of the early periods, and it didn't it fluctuated, but relative to now, it didn't ha go as high or as as low necessarily. But then, starting well, it did actually percentage wise. Okay. It did actually. The thing is, when you're looking at it on this long-term chart, the fluctuations just don't register because the prices are so much higher now. But Got the it. volatility was the same. Okay, so is this yeah. similar to what we're looking at here? So, like, a, like a, the... for instance, a fifty-dollar move to a to a thousand dollars isn't going to show up on this chart back in 2016. Got it. Right. That makes sense. 
Um, so, but here we can at least see over the past three years um, some of yeah, those you, great trends upwards and downwards in terms of it being worth twenty thousand dollars <laughs> or nineteen thousand dollars at the height in like twenty seventeen or now in in late November of twenty or early December of twenty twenty versus back when it was worth um, what four hundred dollars or something like that in yeah. twenty twenty sixteen. Yes. Okay. All right. Uh, so, anything else we need to mention about the birth chart itself and just some of the combinations? Um, I think it's really interesting how Jupiter was so close to changing signs. Hmm. And one of the things that I ran into um, as another date is even though the first, there's a timestamp for when the first Bitcoin was mined on the 3rd of January 2009, it looks like it wasn't until. Three days later, that Satoshi released the software, the the first Bitcoin client um, for, I guess, for mining and for trading Bitcoin on the 9th of January, and by that time, already just six days later, um, Jupiter had actually moved into Aquarius, which is kind of interesting and just gives you an idea of how close Jupiter was to changing signs. And moving from 29 Capricorn when the first Bitcoin was mined to moving into Aquarius, um, you know, just six already six days later. Yeah, that's interesting. I haven't really studied the uh, the Bitcoin client release chart, um, uh, but yeah, it is, it is cuspy. Uh, Jupiter is uh, really on the cusp there of the Capricorn Aquarius, so uh, probably probably may have changed signs within a day or two of the inception chart. Yeah, that would be interesting to look at by secondary progression, where one day equals a year. Um, and then there was one other chart I found that was relevant, which was the first Bitcoin transaction. Looks like it took place when Satoshi sent some bitcoins to the first person, other person outside of himself, on January twelfth, two thousand nine. Mm, that's so interesting. I, yeah, I just wanted to mention those as some mm -hmm. other dates, since like with most mm -hmm. businesses, you run into mm -hmm. an issue with financial and business astrology of there being different charts that are maybe relevant to different things, even if our primary chart that we're focused on perhaps is the 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 first Bitcoin itself being created. Yeah, exactly. And I think you you talked about a lot about that in your United States chart episode where there were so many different choices. Um and in in many things there's not always a clear uh, you know, birthday, but um I think the the January 3rd, you know, chart is definitely we're lucky that we have I mean, I really consider that the birthday. Um so I think that is probably the best one um to use in terms of a financial um forecasting. Definitely. Um, and just to look at animate the chart, looks like it was two days later. By January fifth, Jupiter had moved into Aquarius, so that is a that is a fast moving Jupiter, and it is definitely a Jupiter that was right on the cusp there. Um, and that the first transaction chart is definitely a, a chart of interest that I should um, study a little bit more. That would be interesting too, because um, do you, can can you put that first transaction chart up again there? Yeah, so. uh, that that looks like the Jupiter Saturn conjunction uh, may be uh, almost exact uh, on the the nat inception the natal Jupiter of that of that chart. Yeah, well, and, and also it'll be close like, either way. It'll be close in all of the charts. So yeah, because okay. the, the the one of the things that raises for me is even though they're in different signs, um, you know, Mercury and Jupiter are in the sky like closely conjunct within three degrees. So. 
the Bitcoin yeah. chart itself yeah. has a pretty close Mercury Jupiter conjunction in it. That's true. That's true. And, um, you know, that's a kind of, uh, that's a very favorable aspect in astrology um, in general. And it usually indicates something that's forward thinking, open minded, and very expansive and visionary. Um, especially in Aquarius, um, something that could be make a, vi- a you know a visionary plan that makes a contribution to the greater collective good of humanity. Um, so that's just another um, another symbolism we can think about with Bitcoin. Yeah, and let's come back to that also when we talk about the future and about that Jupiter Saturn conjunction that's about to take place later in December. Very close to that degree in the first degrees of Aquarius. Yeah, that's almost about to happen now. And um, one other feature of the natal chart was the Mars Moon square that I think is interesting for financial traders because we really consider to be Bitcoin to be exceptionally moody. Mm. I mean, it's so, uh, and you can see this in the sentiment, um, and you can really see this on Twitter because you know there's even a thing that people call crypto Twitter, which is a lot of the the Twitter the cryptocurrency community really connects with Twitter. And Jack Dorsey himself, of course, the founder and, and um, CEO of Twitter, is a huge Bitcoin fanatic himself. Um, but you can really gauge the sentiment on Twitter, and the sentiment changes also widely, wildly, you know, whether you know, it's up and down. And, 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 and I think that's really, we could say uh, you know, that Bitcoin is kind of bitchy with this moon Mars square. It, it has a tendency to be really irritable and moody. And it can be up one day and everybody's sailing on a new high. And then immediately, you know, the rug gets pulled and it falls $3,000 and everybody gets very glum and, and depressed. So um, that seems to be one thing you can see in the natal chart is also seems to relate to like the collective sort of community following of Bitcoin itself. Like mm-hmm. the chart not only represents Bitcoin, but it, it sort of represents the collective all of the various traders and investors and holders of Bitcoin as well. That's interesting. Yeah, the moon Mars square, especially if it was a day chart, um, depending on the location, would tend to be more of a tense, difficult aspect if we're talking about a natal chart that could be somebody that's prone to like anger or angry outbursts or impetuousness or rash actions. Yes, um, rash or impulsive, yeah. Impulsive, that's a good one. And this is actually, um, there's an underlying sort of intensity to it that's amplified by the fact that Pluto's right there at the same time. So that there's the Mars Pluto conjunction, but that means there's also a Moon uh, Pluto square, which would intensify um, some of yeah. those same themes. There is a slight mitigation, though, that's actually worth mentioning from a traditional standpoint, which is that because the Moon is in Aries, there's actually reception between the moon and Mars. Mars. So, so that square is not as detrimental to if this is a birth chart, like the native as it could be, but that there's a major um, um, sort of silver lining that allows potentially the native to make the best out of that, whereas somebody else might be, if they didn't have that reception, would um, experience it as more of a hardship and as a negative thing than mm-hmm. it might be otherwise. Um, yeah, that's interesting. I'm not that knowledgeable on receptions, but uh, 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 that's interesting. I don't know if Mars Exalted uh, plays any role in that either. But uh, yeah, that's a good cer- point. Certainly, the uh, it's it's really a square from Pluto and Mars to the Moon, and um, mm. uh, that's tough stuff. I mean, that's um, you know, if that was a person, we could say that this person would probably have some emotional problems. 
Mm. <laughs> um, very obsessive uh, emotional tendencies. <laughs> sure. Um, and that yeah. may be reflected again in the uh, obsessive following and the people who are very obsessed with Bitcoin and and follow its every movement, but to the moment um, and every fluctuation in the price. I mean, you've got these guys on Twitter, um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of one of them, but you've got these really big, well-known um, technical analysis accounts. They have upwards of 100,000 followers. Um, and they post uh, Bitcoin price charts every day and make forecasts long-term and short-term for its movement. And, you know, there um, there's many of them. Um, so uh, Bitcoin does inspire this this obsessive following. And I think that that cor- could correspond to that, that Pluto moon potentially. Mm, interesting. Okay. Um, so let's move into talking about some of when you started getting into Bitcoin and started lo- applying astrology to it. What were some of your great... Um, what were some of the notable correlations that you did find where you wanted to start studying fluctuations? And, and that's something we should say from the outset with financial astrology in general, that financial astrology is really designed to be able to identify um, periods where there's a, a turn and there's a major change or a major fluctuation and the value of something goes up or goes down. Astrology is pretty good at, at helping to identify those important turning points. But it's not as good at identifying like exact numbers of like it's going to be worth this much on X date. Is that correct? Would you say that's an accurate statement to make? Yeah, we use some financial astrology in at least in uh, my version of it uh, in the cryptocurrency markets to identify the main trends, the main yearly trends. We're looking for tops, yearly tops and bottoms in the market. Um, we're kind of looking to enhance our overall timing if we're doing a short-term trade, a short to midterm trades. Um, we're looking, you know, we don't want to be buying the top and we don't want to be selling the bottom. And especially after that big parabolic rally to $20,000 in December of 2017, and then the crash down to $3,000 subsequently, which we'll talk more about, uh, you know, we wanted to sort of devise a system that would um, protect us from you know getting caught up in the fervor when it's running really hot, um, and buying um, you know when we should be selling, uh, and selling when we should be buying. So we wanted to uh, try to create a, a, something that would help our timing sequence for long term for short term trades. But we also wanted to see if we could gauge the kind of long term trajectory of this thing for the more long term investing strategies as well. So essentially looking for both long and short to mid and midterm trends, but. The main thing of, of the system is looking at the yearly price movements, looking for um, looking to sell uh, yearly kind of rallies and looking to buy opportunities on the relative yearly low points or the yearly low points. Okay, and so and for those not fam- familiar with trading, it's like if you had bought Bitcoin in 2016 when it was worth what was it worth in 2016, like. A hundred dollars or a few hundred dollars? Uh, like three, four, five hundred dollars. I think I'd have to go back and look at the price chart. But 2016, it started moving up uh, again. Uh, it bottomed out in 2014 and 15, and it um around two hundred dollars, and then it went um all the way. Yeah, it started going up into I think a thousand dollars again in 2000. Um, uh, yeah, if you look on the if you click on the full featured chart there, you'll get a much more dynamic uh, chart. I don't know if you can click on that feature, but and you'll try. be able to kind of uh, move the chart around a little bit more, and and you and you should be able to like uh, um, 
actually with your cursor, you should be able to change it uh, by toggling like, oh, we probably should have gone over this beforehand, but right. um, yeah, uh, anyway, it's not that important, but yeah, you can see the price there. Okay, it was in 2012, was about $74. It had a little peak there. If you go uh, to that little peak there, we can see that was around $1,000. Okay, so that was in um, November of 2013, and then it kind of went into a long bear market for a so, couple so of years. So let's imagine somebody buys one Bitcoin uh, here in November of 2013 for $1,000, right? Yeah. So so you take that and then you move forward and then let's say we hit this huge peak and suddenly the value of Bitcoin goes up and more and more people are buying it and suddenly by December of 2017 it's worth what $19,000. Yeah, let me see. Uh, you're on the. I think you're you're on a monthly chart there. You want to um, see if you can change that to like a daily or a weekly chart. Yeah, there you go. So now you can see the daily high because those are different time frames. They'll give you different prices. Uh, so yeah, uh, yeah, it went up to it went up to uh, uh, nineteen thousand five hundred on the daily chart. Uh, so if they had the, bought it, if they had bought it in twenty thirteen yeah. for a thousand dollars, they could have sold it in. 2017 for nineteen thousand dollars, so they would yeah, have for made a, yeah for a nineteen uh, nineteen times the price that they bought it at. That's if they didn't get shaken out in the two to three year bear market where the price collapsed back down to like two hundred dollars. Okay, so the the trick becomes so if they had sold it, they would have made eighteen thousand dollars. But then the trick is knowing when it's going to go up and down and knowing how high it's going to go and when to sell. Or when to yeah, buy. and that's what astrology can help us with. And you, you actually identified a crucial point. There is the the financial astrology doesn't actually tell us much about the actual price levels. It tells us about date. It gives us date ranges for highs and lows. So as Ray Merriman has said, uh, we trade time, not price. A lot of a lot of price forecasting techniques have price targets, and they trade price targets. Um, they have buy targets and sell targets, but we have dates. We have dates for sells and dates for buys. So we can combine that with a traditional technical analysis to try to uh, get a little bit of both. Uh, if you, and that's where things get really interesting with using financial astrology because we can use the timing um, to help us refine uh, when we sell and we want, we want to sell the top. Uh, but that's very, very hard to do. Even the most experienced um, and skilled traders can't necessarily sell uh, the exact top. Uh, really, the goal is more to kind of average in on the bottoms and try to, you know, basically get in around a good price and then average out on the tops um, and make sure that you're not leaving a lot of money on the table as so you don't sell it all at once and then it continues up way past where you sold it, right? So you sell right. a little bit and you see, okay, maybe it continues going up and then sell a little bit more. And then the astro astrological technique can give us a range of dates where we can see, okay, well, we think it's going to top out you know, in this in this range, and and sometimes we've been extremely accurate on that, and and other times we haven't. So even the astrology is not going to be one hundred percent, you know, uh, accurate. Right. So there's different um, things that we can look at in terms of both mundane transits that are happening in the world in general. Um, so we talked about, for example, Pluto moving into Capricorn, and shortly after around the time of that ingress just the global financial collapse that occurred and the in the worldwide recession but then there's also other outer planet ingresses that are major and very slow like for example Uranus going through Taurus I know a lot of astrologers yes. are talking about that because Taurus 
um, can traditionally be associated with some material or financial things, and astrology yes. or and Uranus is often associated with major changes or radical changes or advancements or new technologies and things like that. And so when astrologers combine those two things, um, something like Bitcoin is often you know thought of immediately as a major shift in terms of money and um, how and financial things. So, so that was something you've focused on a lot over the past few years, right? Over the past few years, yeah. And I think you know, I think a lot of astrologers have become obsessed with the Capricorn stellium, and sort of have kind of forgotten uh, to pay attention to Uranus and Taurus. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that Uranus and Taurus is one of the the most paradoxical, conflicting planetary sign placements of all time. Because uh, Taurus represents stability and indeed represents the status quo itself. And Uranus represents, you know, the complete opposite of stability and a total disruption of the status quo. Um, And uh, I did a study about this. Of course, the last time that Uranus was in Taurus was in the 1930s. Mm. And it was another time where we saw um, a massive uh, economic crisis of the Great Depression. We saw environmental catastrophe of the Dust Bowl. Okay. Um, and we also saw uh, a major political and cultural disruptions of the rise of fascism in Europe and um, in the United States. Thankfully, we had the New Deal, which was, but was also a disruption of the of the political order at the time. And mm. I think uh, some of the things we've seen um, with the you know Donald Trump uh, uh, being such a disruptor of of every possible political tradition really correlates with with Uranus and Taurus. And I haven't seen enough astrologers talking about that, so I just wanted to mention that. But for in terms of financial astrology, Taurus you know represents um, kind of how we think about money, um, and um, it is a wealth sign. And uh, the, so the the ingress of Uranus into Taurus, I think, you know, did kind of uh, give us a lot of information that a, that a big disruption of global finance was coming, and 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 indeed how we think about money. And it's, um, you know, I think this is really the age of cryptocurrencies became, you know, be, got on the map really right around the time of Uranus ingress into Taurus, and. I mean, the all-time high in December 2017 was um, about uh, roughly uh, four or five months before Uranus's first ingress into Taurus. So I think that that, and that, you know, we saw uh, worldwide headlines about Bitcoin. You know, I mean, Bitcoin, the, the whole year of 2017 was a massive rally for Bitcoin. And that's when people started really paying attention to cryptocurrencies. And that was like, basically when Uranus was in the last degrees of Aries and was kind of already that energy of Uranus and Taurus was starting to come through. So it actually started even before Uranus went went into uh, Taurus. The first ingress, and I think, again, I think that really also corresponded to kind of the rise of Donald Trump and this like global disruption of the political order um, that he is associated with. Uh, and I, th- but, I think that you also mentioned how, which I thought was a really good point, how the Jupiter in the Bitcoin chart is at 29 degrees of Capricorn. So as soon as Uranus started getting to, which it did, I think in 2017, like the later degrees, like 28 degrees of Aries, before it had gone into Taurus, it was already squaring that Jupiter in the Bitcoin chart pretty closely. Yes, and I was actually uh, I was in real time tracking those transits. The direct transits uh, um, correlated to price rallies, sudden but short short lasting because mm. of Uranus, right? 
the retrograde square actually was a very unfavorable, um, but that correlated with two other uh, issues, which was that we had uh, the third Saturn uh, conjunction to the Bitcoin nano Mars. And we also had at the same time, uh, the South node made its entry into Capricorn as well. And that also conjuncted the Bitcoin natal Jupiter at the same time of the retro Uranus square. Um, and that actually correlated to a collapse in the, the that, that was like a kind of a final straw of the 2018 bear market where Bitcoin um, collapsed from $6,000 to $3,000 um, in November and December. And the South node played a very uh, interesting role there. And of course, at that time, Uranus was also square the South node. So there was a lot going on. Um, there was also that, that crazy back-to-back Venus-Mercury retrogrades um, so there was a lot, there's a lot to talk about there, but um, the square of Uranus to Jupiter was a very active, it did activate a lot of price action. And, and that's, um, two, that, that's two points, actually. One is that the retrogrades uh, transits tend to be less favorable. Not in every case, though. But in most cases, the retrograde aspects, even, even of the benefics, tend to be less favorable and less noteworthy in the price action, whereas the direct ones tend to be quite powerful. The other one is that uh, our research indicates the importance of the transiting south node in financial astrology, which should have implications for every realm of astrology that um, is something that's not talked about, um, not written about, not talked about. Maybe we could do a show on the south node, uh, transits of the nodes, uh, both, of course, the South and the North Node, but uh, we'll talk about more about that when we talk more about the price correlations. But uh, uh, that was uh, very active, that Uranus squares to the Bitcoin Jupiter. Yeah, so that already started happening. I'm just uh, animating the chart and looking at when, because I was trying to initially see when um, Uranus went into Taurus for the first time, mm-hmm. and it was in Oh, May. I remember it well, because... Uh, it was a very. I had made a prediction uh, on that. It was May fifteenth, two thousand eighteen. <laughs> I remember right. it well. I had made a very important prediction on it, and um, it was an epic fail, Chris. It was a total disaster. So uh, we could talk about that too. But uh, we should actually go back. Actually, uh, we should actually go back and um, just you, you know go back to uh, what you asked me before. Was when I first started looking at the Bitcoin um, astrology. And we looked at the natal chart, of course, first. And my, you know, my analysis uh, was that, uh, you know, holy crap, this is an incredibly powerful chart uh, that has a lot of potential. And I knew immediately when I looked at it, within about five minutes, that I want to put a lot of my money into this thing. I mean, I really did. I could say that. And I started. I immediately saw, uh, you know, when I looked at it, that Jupiter was going to, and Jupiter and Mars were going to make a series of. Uh, of sextiles to the stellium and Capricorn. And I told all my friends to invest in it, that a big rally was coming. And sure enough, that was my first call. My first really big call for Bitcoin was that I actually, several months in advance, called uh, the big December rally. I didn't know it was going to go to a new all-time high of $20,000, but I did tell my friends that there was going to be a really big rally. And, and sure enough, there was. But what we did was, first, we wanted to look backwards. We wanted to look at and see, number one, if there was an important event in the Bitcoin life. Did that correspond to something astrologically that really made sense? Right. And of course, the most notorious event in the Bitcoin life cycle at that time 
was what's known as the infamous hacking of the Mt. Gox exchange. So at that time, it was 19, uh, 2014, and there was only one major cryptocurrency exchange, um, and that was called Mt. Mt. Gox. Um, and pretty much all, most of the Bitcoin in the world was stored on, on the Mt. Gox. And it was, if you wanted to buy and sell Bitcoin, that was the place that you went to. Well, sure enough, the guy who managed it, um, he was a Frenchman who was living in Tokyo, I believe. And um, when you read uh, the history of it, he was completely inept and did not take the, uh, the correct uh, security precautions. And, uh, you know, sure enough, hackers made their way into the exchange and at the time made off with something like half a billion dollars worth of Bitcoin. So a lot of people lost a lot of money um, in that episode. And he tried to cover it up and hide it, which I think is really significant, as will be revealed with the astrology. And, um, you know, this made headlines all around the world and not good ones. So people really lost faith in Bitcoin. Um, and there's no way to get your money back, right? Because of the blockchain, it's not a bank. You can't go and say, oh, there was fraud. My account was hacked. I'd, I'd like to file a complaint and get my money back. There's no, you know, fraud protection uh, for that, for Bitcoin and on that exchange. So people lost an enormous amount of money and Bitcoin almost died. So we went back and we looked at the astrology and what we found was that Pluto was almost exactly conjunct the Bitcoin sun. You can put up this chart uh, for, you know, if you have it available, I think it's March and April of 2000, um, or you can do the transits on the Bitcoin chart, March and April of 2014. And you'll see that sure enough, that, that Pluto had made its way to about 13 degrees Capricorn and was sitting almost right on top of the Bitcoin sun. Well, what would be, you know, what would be the symbolism for a transit of uh, Pluto to your natal sun? Of course, um, you know, Pluto is associated with breakdown, destruction, death. You know, Pluto is really, it's, it's a process, right? It's a really complex five or six step process that is associated with breakdown, decay, death, destruction, and then typically rebirth, regeneration and evolution to a higher state of consciousness. Um, and that's exactly what we saw in terms of Bitcoin. It, it, uh, the hacking event almost destroyed Bitcoin. But what came the, out of it... The price tanked after it came out that it that had been hacked, right? Yeah, the price collapsed and people really lost faith in it because it seemed like it was so vulnerable to being attacked. So and, it was like a, de um, a, death, a little death of Bitcoin for a while. It was a death. Yeah, it was a death of Bitcoin. It fell off the radar. The price collapsed, and it it kind of went into hibernation for a few years. Um, and people just, uh, you know, kind of lost interest in it. And then um, look at the. It was station. Pluto wasn't just like transiting the sun. It was stationing on top of the sun. It looks like in April of 2014. So the Bitcoin sun is 13 30, 13 degrees and 30 minutes of Capricorn. And Pluto stationed at 13 degrees and 34 minutes of Capricorn on like April 15th, April 16th of 2014. Yeah. And I found I found that correlation to be a pretty mind-blowing. That was, you know, that was the first thing I looked at. And I knew right away again, okay, this chart is, you know, this chart is looking to be pretty, pretty accurate here. Well, and and look at this is funny because it was also, of course, any astrologer around in the early to middle part of the last decade remembers what astrologers were focused on during that time period, and it was the Uranus Pluto square, 
because Uranus was also uh, yeah. simu- simultaneously at about 1324, 1320. Yeah, Uranus exactly squared. Oh, yeah. You know, 13... I completely forgot about that. I completely yeah. forgot about that square from Uranus. Well, I so was so that... fascinated by this exact conjunction of Pluto that, that <laughs> right. that's what stuck in my memory. So it was uh, so Uranus squared, it looks like a few days later, exact at 1330 uh, Aries squaring the sun at, at 1330 Capricorn by April 20th or so. But look also opposite to that is Mars, because there was a Mars retrograde that year, and transiting Mars um, went retrograde, and it came up to 1330 Libra by the end of April. So it completed a transiting T-square of those three planets, which are pretty heavy-duty planets, all um, hitting the Bitcoin sun, but there's a little slight you know, silver lining, which is Jupiter, is at 13 Cancer at the same exact time, also opposing that sun. So that was that's some pretty heavy transits to be happening all to wow. the sun of the Bitcoin chart pretty much simultaneously. Yeah, that's a grand square, really. Yeah, it's a it's a perfect storm of yeah. you know difficult aspects. And you said so the the hackers stole um, just tons of bitcoins. The price. Of Bitcoin dropped, everybody lost um, faith in it, and that was the primary place where everybody bought Bitcoins at the time. It had like seventy percent of the market or something like that. Something but then like that. you said in, in the aftermath of that, there were other exchanges that started to proliferate that had better security and other things like that. And Bitcoin eventually, within a few years, rebounded. Yeah, well, uh, in typical Plutonian uh, fashion, uh, there was a, a regeneration occurred, and um, you know there was a hardcore group of people that didn't lose faith in Bitcoin, and that just realized that the problem wasn't with Bitcoin itself; it was just simply with the exchange of the Mt. Gox and how it had been structured and managed and run. And so, people, creative people, saw a big opening and a whole new generation. Of much more advanced, technologically advanced it, cryptocurrency exchanges started rising up with much more um, secure, you know, much more advanced security features. Um, and to this day, the security continues to evolve on the exchanges for Bitcoin. And you know, security of Bitcoin is a is a is a complex uh, subject as well. But uh, um, essentially, it rose from the ashes of the Mt. Gox debacle and. Um, after you know a kind of a two uh, to three year bit uh, bear market, which which by the way correlated to a, a series of three Saturn squares uh, at zero degrees Sagittarius to the natal Bitcoin Venus, um, and the price basically flattened, flatlined for uh, like a year or more, and there was just really no activity during that that time, and people sort of forgot about it. But it came roaring, you know, back. Uh, really, I believe it was in 2016 that uh, the price action started to sort of get interesting again. It actually took all the way up until uh, about, I believe it was January, maybe January of, I can't remember exactly, Chris, but I think it was January 2017. The price came back to $1,000 per Bitcoin. So it had hit $1,000 just before the Mt. Gox hack, which okay. you know made it very attractive to hackers all of a sudden. You know, so probably what happened was all the top hackers in the world decided to focus their attention on this one exchange. So it took about uh, three years for it. 
And this is, you know, Bitcoin has gone through this um, several times where it, 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 it co- the price makes a big peak and then collapse um, all the way down 90% again. Here it is. Uh, November of, of 2013, it looks like it, pat- it was above $1,000. Um, but then you can see, yeah, this drop and then it's just low for a while after 2014. Yeah, that's exactly correct. Yeah, you can see that. And then you can see in 2016 on your chart um, that uh, it starts trending up again. Right. Um, so, and I and I don't want to, um, you know, pick favorites, especially since I haven't done this, you know, researched this as much as you or pretty much literally anybody else in the astrological community. But one of the things <laughs> that's interesting, just hypothetically, I just want to throw it out there. If you know that sun would would be more important hypothetically if the ascendant was, was in Leo, Leo in whatever the you know location was when the first Bitcoin was mined. So that's kind of interesting that that yeah. was such a pivotal and initially negative, but then eventually transform transformative moment in the history of Bitcoin. And I think that's you know certainly the sun is going to be pivotal in no matter what chart we're looking at. So we have to be careful. About jumping to conclusions, but it's just an interesting, interesting point. Um, totally, yeah. It would be great to know the Lord of the Ascendant in this chart. That would give us a whole another level of information for sure. And I think yeah. there's a convincing case to be made for the Leo rising chart, and and you've just made it more convincing. Um, but certainly, a Pluto a Sun a direct conjunction, a Pluto transiting the natal Sun, is a once in a lifetime a transit um, in and of itself. That um, right. May or may not, you know, uh, be whether the sun was the lord of the ascendant, but um, certainly it's an interesting to think about it. And that brings us to actually more. It doesn't fully bring us to, but yeah. recent times since it has that stellium in Capricorn, we would have, we would then assume any major outer planet transits through Capricorn are going to be important. And of course, yeah, there was there was a major one that started in December of 2017 when Saturn moved into Capricorn, right? Yeah, um, so that was uh, you know we did that back testing and we found okay the Pluto uh, corresponded the Pluto Sun correspondence um, to the Mount Gox hack and then we looked at you know sat the Saturn um, squared to the Bitcoin natal Venus was the aftermath of that and that correlated to the price so then I started I didn't do an exhaustive back testing where I looked o- o- at every top and bottom and tried to correlate it I just started doing real time beta testing essentially mm-hmm. and. Um, uh, you know what was going on in the previous all-time high of 2017. I don't know if you can put one of those price graphic charts up. The one that has um, there's one in particular I sent you that has that December 2017 one. That might be um, a good one to look at while I sort of I can kind of uh, do a little play-by-play on the astrological sequence that happened. Sure, um, let me. Put it up, and I'll cycle through them, and you can let me know when I have. Sure. Is this the one you're looking for? Um, there's actually another one that's more specific to to that top. It's a little bit more uh, right there. There we go. That one. Yes. Okay. So what happened in um, 2017 initially was we had a series of sextiles from Neptune um, to the Bitcoin natal Sun. Now Neptune is a kind of a funny planet, and in, in uh, financial astrology because it has nothing to do with the material world or money at all. Um, but I think it's interesting in the sextile to the natal sun, what I correlated to that was that people, again, was a restoration of faith 
in Bitcoin. I mean, one mm. of the ways we can look at um, Neptune is is faith, and that also somehow, in some way, that maybe we don't know, uh, Neptune was um, that Bitcoin was part of some larger divine unfolding plan of some type. But we did see that the in general, this is kind of before uh, the uh, dates of this of this graphic, but just laying the groundwork for what happened. And we had a huge rally um, in August of 2017. We don't we don't have a graphic for that, but uh, Neptune was in a partile sextile at the 13th degree from Pisces for the entire month of August. We also had uh, we had that total uh, solar eclipse of the sun. Of course, it was uh, visible from the United States, and that was interesting because it was in a grand trine, I believe, if my memory is correct, with Uranus and Saturn. You're talking about the Great American Eclipse yes. in uh, what August of 2017? Yes, that's correct. Okay, but it emphasized the trine between Uranus and Saturn, which is like a kind of a balance between the past and the future, um, new technological innovations that are taking old concepts of Saturn and making them in new ways, but they're not in that hard aspect, so it's not in a tense conflict. It's a really great time for taking the best from the past and combining it with a new innovative visionary, You know, the best of the past of Saturn and traditional approaches to finance and merging them together with new technological innovations represented by Uranus. So that was something that was in effect. And I believe that the the solar eclipse activated that trine. And in fact, it was in a partile trine with Uranus, um, but overall it was in a wider grand trine with Saturn as well. And that's when we saw a massive rally in Bitcoin. And that's really when I started to get interested in, in Bitcoin too. And I think that that eclipse and again, here we see a North Node eclipse, okay, um, really adding energy and, and greed, actually. Frankly, the North Node, as we know, can indicate greed. And um, the other interesting feature of that chart is that Mercury is retrograde for a big part of that month. And Bitcoin rallied um, from about $2,000 to $5,000 in August. And interestingly enough, the Neptune sextile to the Bitcoin sun left its partile degree I think it was retrograde. I, that was one example of the retrograde aspect that actually ended up being quite favorable. I believe it it went to the 12th degree, Neptune. And at the same time, Mercury changed directions from retrograde to direct, if I'm correct. I might, I might, I might be mixing it up here. But uh, And um, interestingly, what happened within a day or two of Mercury changing directions was that China announced like this total ban on Bitcoin and the price dropped $3,000 and lost over 50% of its value in like a 48 to 72 hour period. Um, so that was um, you know, a really good illustration of, of many different features. You had an eclipse, you had a Mercury retrograde changing directions played a role. You had a partile aspect uh, to the Bitcoin sun that went off the degree. Um, and um, a lot happened during that month of August. Uh, so that was a very fascinating month. And you see how complex it is, really, how many factors you really have to look at if you're going to try to track the price and make a future forecast. It's People try to oversimplify it and look, ask me all the time, well, what about Mercury retrograde or what about this full moon? I mean, it's really you have to look at all the different factors that are in play. So Bitcoin lost about half of its value there, but it quickly, it quickly, it, it quickly returned 
it didn't it didn't take too long. It took about eight weeks for it to start going back up to the five thousand dollar range. And I'm sorry. Now, if you could throw that graphic that that graphic uh, back up there. So the, here, what happened was that Jupiter entered Scorpio, and that was a massive change in the price. Hmm. It entered Scorpio, I, I believe, roughly on October 10th, and all of a sudden, right, you can see that it makes a trine to the Bitcoin. I don't know if you can do a dual uh, a dual screen, but it makes a trine to the Bitcoin Venus. It makes a sextile to the Bitcoin natal Pluto. And it starts to make a, a sextile also to the Bitcoin Mars and Sun. Uh, well, uh, yeah. Um, Here we go. So Jupiter goes into in mid-October into yeah. Scorpio, and we see it trining the Venus, which in the Bitcoin chart is at zero Pisces. Right. And right. Wh what were the other transits? Well, it also starts to immediately sextile the whole stellium in Capricorn, essentially, and. And if you throw that price chart back up there, we can see you can see this is what I, we were talking about earlier in the discussion, where you can see how Jupiter's effect, you know, starts to really affect the price literally day by day. This is a daily chart, so each of these they're called price candles. Each of these bars it indicates a twenty-four hour period of the price. So okay. you can see immediately. You can see. Look at the difference. Look at what happens when Jupiter enters Scorpio. There, it's at right. about four thousand dollars at that point. It makes the trine to the Bitcoin Venus, and a a a, a couple of weeks later, it make or a couple a week or two later, it makes a sextile to the Bitcoin Pluto, and the price starts moving up quite quite dramatically when it starts making a sextile to the Bitcoin NATO Mars. Right. So Jupiter so Mars sextile is like you know confidence, adventure, uh, ready for action, <laughs> reporting for duty, right? All of a sudden, it's a huge boost. If, if you're doing a personal reading just as an example, it would be a huge boost in confidence mm -hmm. um, and energy and vitality. So uh, in, the, in financial astrology, we just try to translate that into market confidence. All of a sudden, the asset gains an enormous amount of market confidence. And as it, and then I didn't, I don't think I put this in the graphic, but then Mars entered uh, Scorpio a bit later, and we had that Mars-Jupiter uh, conjunction actually that took place in Scorpio. And so both Mars and Jupiter ended up uh, making important sextiles in the Bitcoin natal chart, um, and that correlated precisely, okay, precisely to the all-time high. So this is a mind-blowing correlation. Now, the whole time, I think it's also important to m mention that um, Neptune was um, still sextile to the Bitcoin sun at that time. So there was, there was still an outer planet activity that was important. You know, like the outer planet activity gives you the kind of the bigger picture, right? Which, which what we said was like faith, you know, faith and confidence. Jupiter and Mars, I'm seeing more as like confidence, whereas Neptune, I'm, I'm translating more as faith. Um, so I'm not saying it was just Jupiter and Mars by itself that correlated to that all-time high, but uh, Jupiter, of course, in in any huge big uh, wealth uh, rally, you want to see probably you're going to see some big Jupiter involvement. Um, so that was uh, that was my first uh, Bitcoin forecast, and people yeah. were quite astounded. Uh, uh, this was actually before I was on Twitter. I just had a private newsletter to a few cryptocurrency and astrology geek friends. Um, but people were quite astounded that we could use astrology to gauge uh, 
to gauge the price. Oh, just leave that chart up for a second if you could, Chris. I want to point out um, some really interesting stuff that happened after that. Now, this is really interesting. Um, here, I have these blue lines on the chart um, signify the exact uh, period. I, I believe I gave it a one-degree orb of Jupiter's exact conjunction to the Bitcoin sun. So you can see the price peaked right within that range. Interestingly, what happened then was, um, now, number one, once again, Mercury was retrograde, interestingly enough, during, during this parabolic run-up. And so that gave us a clue that we were vulnerable to a reversal when Mercury changed directions. I consider Mercury in financial, in this type of financial astrology, to give us an indication, an indication of market sentiment. Um, but then the bigger picture was that Saturn entered Capricorn on the winter solstice of December 17. Right. And immediately made a conjunction. Um, initially, it made a sextile to Bitcoin Venus. So we didn't see the price move down that, that much. But then when it made a conjunction to Bitcoin Pluto, we lost a, already a 25% decline in the price there um, that I highlighted in my notation. Um, so that, that in and of itself is just a great correlation. Even if we're just looking at planets, outer planets transiting through signs, how we can see from the time Jupiter goes into Scorpio in early October, just to this pretty steady upward climb all the way up until it hits its high point in December when, as you said, transiting Jupiter at 13 Scorpio sextiles, the Bitcoin sun at 13 Capricorn, and it peaks. But then Saturn moved into Capricorn, change signs, moved from Sagittarius where it had been going through there for like three years, moved into Capricorn for three years on December 20th, and that's where we have that stellium of four planets in the Bitcoin chart, and then we start seeing this downward trend shortly after that ingress. Yeah, I mean it's remarkable. Again, I mean um, if your you know if your mind is isn't blown by these correlations, um, you know then you know I'm not sure what to tell you because this is about as close as you're ever going to see for a mathematical proof of astrological theory. Because Saturn, of course, represents Jupiter represents expansion and wealth. Saturn represents contraction. Right. And often fear. Um, now, Saturn represents a lot of other things too: hard work, discipline, focus, and and success. You know, I often tell people, you know, Saturn can be your worst enemy or your best friend, depending on multiple factors in your chart. Right? I don't. I'm not saying Jupiter is good and Saturn is bad. We'll see as we study the three-year period of Saturn in Capricorn. It's a fascinating story that potentially Saturn is actually helping Bitcoin. But initially, on the ingress of 2000, December 2017, what happens is fear hits the market, and we get an immediate collapse. If you could throw that chart back up there, we'll see what happened on the exact conjunction, the first of three exact conjunctions of um, Bitcoin, excuse me, of Saturn to the Bitcoin natal Mars, which was um, partile between February 1st and February 10th. Once again, in early January, I made a prediction that Bitcoin would have um, would have a a, a huge sell-off um, in that ten-day date range, and in fact, the low came on February sixth and seventh, and so we saw another exact correlation uh, within a ten-day date range. And you know, what would you think of just astrologically uh, of Saturn, you know, conjoining your natal Mars? Right? I mean, that would be not probably. It wouldn't necessarily be bad, but you probably wouldn't be looking forward to it, and it probably wouldn't feel very good because 
your confidence would be potentially at a 29-year low point. Your physical vitality might be weakened. Your overall mood might be somewhat depressed. You would feel limited. It would be, you would feel thwarted and a lot of obstacles to achieving your goals. You know, just to sort of say non-financial astrology way of looking at it. So then you translate that into a, a financial astrology. And essentially we say it was a loss of confidence in the market. Um, now, there were some other things going on in January. There was an, an, once again, we had an eclipse on January 31st. It was a very important South Node eclipse. And um, that also added some energy uh, to the sell-off as well. In fact, that triggered the sell-off was that January 31st eclipse. But essentially, Saturn uh, can join Mars. Uh, that was a, a goodbye uh, Bitcoin rally, hello reality. Cryptocurrencies are not ready for the mainstream yet. And um, if you want to throw up that 2018 chart, we can see the three conjunctions of Saturn um, to the Bitcoin Mars. Um, corresponded here to a year-long, um, actually more than a year-long bear market um, for cryptocurrencies. There was a, a once again, similar in some ways to Mt. Gox situation, uh, we had a loss of faith in the market, a loss of confidence in Bitcoin. Um, and we saw headlines around the world uh, that Bitcoin is dead and that cryptocurrencies uh, was just a a Ponzi scheme or a pyramid scheme or this kind of thing like that. And a lot of negative press. Uh, there was a 90% loss in value. And uh, people said that Bitcoin is dead. Well, this whole time I was telling people, uh, no, it's not. Uh, this is the time you actually want to be buying uh, Bitcoin. It's going to come back. It's come back from the dead already four or five times. This thing is the Terminator. I, I'm assure you that it is not going to, it's it's going to survive this and it's going to come back and hit $20,000 again. Um, so uh, especially we told people uh, to buy uh, Bitcoin actually on the conjunction of uh, Bitcoin to the natal sun. But first, let's just look at this chart for a minute. We see here in June of 2018 uh, that Saturn made the second conjunction to the Bitcoin sun. And again, we got a new yearly low point in the price. Once again, exactly in a 10-day date range, 10 or 14-day date range um, to that exact conjunction, which was, I believe it was June uh, 20th through the 30th. I don't know, something like that. It was uh, the exact partile conjunction. The third conjunction of, Bit of, of Saturn to the Bitcoin natal Mars also corresponded roughly, although it came outside the partile conjunction. We also had Mars conjunct the Bitcoin Venus. We had that Mercury retro, Venus retro with Mercury retro back to back. And um, it's not in the notes there, but that's when we also had the retrograde Jupiter square to the Bitcoin natal Uranus. And we also had the south node conjunct the Bitcoin natal um, Jupiter. Okay, I know this is a little technical, but right. you can see you can see what happened with the that combination of factors was another price collapse. So, so the this six, is around November of twenty eighteen. Yeah, okay, the six thousand dollar what we call in fine in in, in um, financial markets a support area, which was it had hit six thousand dollars here in June. It had hit six thousand dollars here again in November, and so that became a support level. But that collapsed under the weight of those multiple aspect um, series. And, um, and Bitcoin um, went to a new low here, which is in December of 2018. And I did give you a graphic for that one as well. 
because the uh no not that one uh wait not hold on <laughs> not, I wait, some wait. other ones like thrown yeah. in here just a little slower let me just see it will pick out the right one uh, Is this it? uh no no that's later yes right here Okay, so here's that period here in November where we had all of those different aspects. And what happened here was that Saturn actually hit, and this was a surprise, Chris, um, and it actually kind of um, screwed up my forecast at the time, but it was a really important thing to look at. Um, and another financial, an Italian financial astrologer pointed this out to me, actually, uh, um, that Saturn hit the exact midpoint between the Bitcoin, Mars, and Sun. And that's when we got uh, this bear market low point in the price. It was between the Mars and then the Bitcoin Sun. Uh, and uh, that was actually the most, that was the worst uh, position of Saturn the whole time. And that's actually the last low. Um, so it's never gone back to that $3,000 uh, level uh, since Saturn was at the midpoint in between the Bitcoin natal Mars and the Bitcoin natal Sun. Now, I actually thought the the conjunction of Saturn to the natal Sun was going to be worse. And so I didn't buy the midpoint uh, in December, but it was close enough. The interesting thing is that it didn't go lower on the exact conjunction of Saturn to the Bitcoin Sun. Um, so that was really interesting for people who like uh, those midpoints. Um, it right. just shows you uh, how powerful that midpoint is. I mean, the planets are already so close together. Although it's interesting that it did kind of stay depressed in that Saturn conjunction with the Sun, which looks like it was around January of 2019. Yeah. Um, you know, if you're looking, this doesn't fully show the peaks because it doesn't show the previous peak in what late 2017, but it's almost like the middle midway point it would almost look like between yeah, the we do have a chart for that there's another graphic that has the big both of those peaks okay let me see if i can find that uh there is that, that was this it. no the one before this no there's even another one i believe that was in the um hold on wait a second right uh no okay sorry just right there Right there, that was it. Yeah, you see, you can see the big, here you see the big, oh no, no, that's not the, okay. Well, this is the same one we were looking at. Yeah, sure. I don't have a chart for for the whole schematic, maybe not, I thought there was one, but um, essentially here. But the point uh, at least is like, here, let's just, let's look at the chart. At, like, that was about the halfway chart. point of Saturn's transit through Capricorn. Yeah, which is is almost a necessity since the you know Bitcoin sun is halfway through Capricorn natally. At 13 degrees of Capricorn, um, you know that's just really striking. So just to go back through the whole sequence, it's like October of 2017, Jupiter ingresses into Scorpio, and you see that dramatic rise, and um, that keeps going up and up and up. And then Jupiter sextiles the Sun eventually, but then we see Saturn creep into Capricorn. And we see it move into Capricorn right on the solstice, or right around the time of the solstice, around December 20th, yeah. around December 21st. And then you start to see that decline happen. And Saturn would transit through Capricorn for the next three years until this coming month of December of, of 2020, where it's finally going to leave. But right around the halfway point when Saturn was transiting through that sign, uh, Saturn would have hit the sun and 
yeah, that's like halfway through Saturn transiting through Capricorn, and it would have been consistently the price is consistently depressed through that period for the most part. Right? Um, is that, I'm is sorry. That until when? Uh, just that around the middle period of Saturn going being about halfway through Capricorn, that there has been this period. Um, this during this three-year transit of Saturn going through Capricorn, where it started with um, Bitcoin at a high at the beginning yeah. in late 2017, then Saturn went into Capricorn and it started lowering and being depressed yeah. um, during that three-year period. And now we're about to come out of it, and we've just see, seen it hit a new all-time high. Yeah. Um, well, there was a couple other. You know, obviously, there's a couple other uh, uh, features in there when. Jupiter entered Capricorn. Uh, uh, we saw, you know, a lot of change. And when um, when Uranus entered uh, Taurus, uh, if you go back to that price chart, we can see uh, what happened when Uranus entered Taurus for the second time. Um, so the the Bitcoin price was essentially depressed the entire time that Saturn was between, you know, the Bitcoin Pluto and the Bitcoin Sun. Okay. Now the there was a secondary transit of Saturn to the Bitcoin Sun again later in 2019 and we got another we got another uh we got another dip on that one we also saw the south node was uh, important there no wait a minute let's um let's go back to that chart the earlier chart uh the earlier graphic that we were just looking at before yeah, so this is, I think this is right here, one of the most fascinating uh, correlations here. This is that November 2018 to about July 2019, right? And you can, I mean, this was where, um, this was where uh, we started to see just incredibly tight correlations between the aspects here. So you've got, right, you've got that third Saturn conjunction to the Bitcoin Mars. Sat Bitcoin is basically dead you know, between November 2018 and March 2019. And this is where Saturn is in that midpoint between the Bitcoin Mars and the Sun, which is exactly what you would expect with Saturn. Saturn is about fear and contraction, right? It's about, um, yeah. it's not a wealth planet. And so what we saw was a bear market under the influence of the Saturn aspect. And However, uh, what happened uh, was that after Saturn moved off of the Bitcoin natal sun, uh, about two months later, Uranus re-entered Taurus for, for good. And uh, we, got, uh, we, we can start to see right away that uh, Uranus made a trine to the Bitcoin natal Pluto in March of 2019, or I believe it was maybe early April. You can even see, look at that. If you look really closely at the price chart, Chris, you can see that. Look at that candle there, that large green candle there that really stands out. This one? Yeah, that was right. That was exactly the trine from Uranus to the Bitcoin Pluto. A sudden, powerful change in the price. Right, and it's shortly after that ingress. That's really great because I, I like that also that you wrote about that in your article because the first ingress, which was a the previous year in May of 2018, everyone expected to be <laughs> more tied in with like major shifts yeah. shifts in, in cryptocurrency with Uranus going into Taurus, but it ended up not. And you considered that to be a major misstep initially. But then a year later, when Uranus entered Taurus for the final time, where it would stay for the greater part of the next you know decade, basically. Um, there started to be major shifts in Bitcoin. 
Yeah, well, the fir- the Uranus's first entry into Taurus was in, as we, I believe, looked at earlier, was May 15th, 2018. And I had had a string of very successful predictions at that time in my, my I had a free newsletter at that time because I was essentially beta testing the mm. forecast system. And I also uh, had started to, twi- to had a growing following on Twitter. And I made, after a string of very successful uh, forecasts, I made a big forecast that Uranus was going to sextile the Bitcoin natal Venus and trine the Bitcoin Pluto. We were going to have a huge rally in the spring of 2018, ushering in this new era of financial technology of cryptocurrencies with Uranus and Taurus. And hilariously, nothing happened. (laughs) In fact, the price went down. I looked like a complete idiot. And it was a somewhat humiliating and definitely humbling experience that, um, you know, where I learned uh, to be a little bit more cautious and um, to realize that sometimes I'm going to get calls wrong and mm. uh, that uh, astrology isn't always 100% accurate and that you have to be careful. And that there's a really, what we learned also was that there's a really big difference between an initial ingress into a sign and uh, when a planet, or especially an outer planet, is going to move into that sign for good which is what happened in 2019. The other problem was uh, that Saturn was still incredibly strong in the Bitcoin chart in 2018, regardless of Uranus's position. So, um, you know- Still sort of holding it back or depressing it uh, through the constraining symbolism of Saturn, which which is a pretty straightforward signification of Saturn. Yeah, uh, yes, exactly. That's exactly right. But what was interesting was we saw a flurry of articles in the mainstream press about astrology and cryptocurrencies. I don't know if you noticed that, but there was a several, in fact, there was some former NFL star who turned into an astrologer was telling everybody that cryptocurrencies were going to explode. It was, it was kind of interesting. Um, it was a bit unusual, um, even on like, like mainstream financial uh, press, like Yahoo's Market Watch, they had a couple of financial astrology things. Um, and the, the the irony is that it was an epic fail, but then ultimately it did prove to be correct in the end when Uranus did finally enter Taurus again in 2019. Um, okay. So here's and, the first um, ingress, just for those watching the video version in May of 2011, we see Uranus move yeah. from 29 Aries and for the first time move into zero degrees of Taurus. Um, but then that didn't end up coinciding with the major shift. We see Saturn still transiting down there at like eight degrees of Capricorn, conjoining yeah. the Bitcoin Mars and the Bitcoin Sun at, at five Capricorn and 13 Capricorn. But then if we jump forward to one almost just under one year later, so what was it like March of 2019? It was March of 2019. And it- Initially, Mercury was retrograde. We didn't see much happen on the initial ingress. It wasn't until it hit one degree um, and Mercury went direct. It's like I uh, remember all of these uh, transits almost encyclopedic. Uh, it was when, um, so the, tr- the, uh, the sextile uh, of Uranus to the Bitcoin Venus didn't really do much. But when it hit that one degree trine to the Bitcoin natal Pluto, then we saw that huge green candle. It was like a thousand dollar move in the price that had been flat for months, and it caught everybody's attention. I mean, all of a sudden, uh, everybody got super interested in Bitcoin again. Literally within a week or two, of maybe three of Uranus entering Taurus. So we knew that Uranus entering Taurus was a rebirth. It was a regeneration of cryptocurrencies after that colossal crash, you know, uh, from the from the all time high. And if you go right. back to that chart, you can see 
uh, that transit, look what happened, you know, between, between the trine of Uranus to Bitcoin Pluto, and we see this huge green candle, and then it, um, yeah, this one, look at this one, um, and then it makes a trine to the Bitcoin natal Mars, okay, the, for almost all of June, there was a couple of other aspects there, but essentially, um, it, the, we, we got a new multi-year high of $13,000. Now that was like a 400% gain, you know, just from January where Saturn was conjunct the Bitcoin natal sun. So we bought and we bought that. This was my first big success. Uh, you know, as a, as an analyst, but also as a trader, because I'll, I'll be honest with you, I actually lost a bunch of money in 2018, um, particularly on that bad Uranus ingress call. You know, I lost several thousand dollars of my own money. Not only did I look like a fool on Twitter, however, we bought, we, I bought uh, a lot of Bitcoin on the conjunction to the Bitcoin natal sun on the theory that it would rally on the trine from Uranus. And sure enough, I was right. And we got, you know, about a 400% rally from $3,500 to a $13,000 high. Now, I wasn't able to sell it, all of it at the exact top. I mean, that's an impossible to do. But, you know, essentially, that was one of the most profitable trades I've ever done in my life. Um, and it, it also is just a mind-blowing correlation because if you go and look at the transit, it corresponded exactly to the, the, um, the partile, almost exact to the minute. Uh, transit of that trine from Uranus to the Bitcoin natal Mars. And that was a sudden, exciting boost of market confidence, right? Mm, right. However, yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. What was that? You know, however, uh, that also didn't last because mm. we had another conjunction of Saturn to the Bitcoin natal sun. And I told everybody that it wouldn't last. And we sold, we sold the high in June and July. And we sat and we waited for several months to, for Saturn um, and the South Node uh, to come back uh, to that conjunction with the natal sun again. And I think that's on one of the price charts I sent you. Again, you can see um, that Uranus gave a sudden, exciting kind of blast of energy into the price and the market sentiment. Um, but as soon as um, you know Uranus kind of went off that, and Saturn started moving back toward retrograding back towards the natal sun, mm -hmm. the price started collapsing again. Um, and I, then I'm we also trouble finding. I've got most of this. To, so through 2019, okay, uh, I've got the chart. Yeah, let's um, um, just go through those a little bit more slowly so I can see them. And there's one in there that shows it. Uh, oh, okay, yeah. So this is. Uh, is this it? Let me see here. This is more 2020. Uh, let me see. Let me just look at the other ones I sent you. Sorry. Not that one. Yeah, not that. Not, those are yours. Okay, wait. Here. Oh, no. Okay, that's 2017. I think there's one more. This one. No. Okay. One more. Okay. That's the last one. Okay. Uh, let me look through the emails. But I mean, no, it's the, okay. the yeah, idea, though, that um, Saturn basically being halfway through Capricorn and conjoining the sun around that time, the Bitcoin sun yeah. seems like a relatively straightforward call about that being maybe the middle point in the depression of the value of, of the, well, the thing. 
Yeah, and for really technical astrologers, there's this. This is why I said earlier, uh, and to you personally, that you can learn a lot about astrology from watching this too. And here's right. an example of that. So the second conjunction of Saturn to the Bitcoin Sun was partile, but not exact. And uh, so we didn't know exactly. It's stationed, actually, it's stationed partile on the Bitcoin Sun, but not exact to the minute. Like mm. it didn't. Like it didn't get all the way up to the minute, you know what I mean? So it never, the second one never went technically exact. Now what, that turned frame? out, what's that? When? That was like September, you know, 20 something, 2019. Okay, here it is. So September 2019. Yeah, if you, if you toggle it back, you'll see it stations at 13 degrees 54. Yeah. So, and the Bitcoin natal sun, I believe, is 1330, right? So it, it got within about 24 minutes, but it turned out that that actually made, you know, quite a difference. Um, the, the price didn't go down as much as it did that first time, uh, that it did in, um, in January. But then what happened is you can see the south node is right behind it. Yeah. And the south node then made an exact conjunction to the Bitcoin natal sun. And then the price collapsed a bit more. So it was okay. like a double a double one two punch, and we've we've really found that this the transiting south node is you know just like um, its symbolism suggests it's an energy drain, and so it sucks away life, energy, vitality, and wealth in this case, um, and it really cut the Bitcoin sun uh, down to size there, and then we got a little a mini four month bear market. That culminated, of course, the South Node also, of course, signifies that the eclipse pattern was also very close on that stellium. Okay. Um, so then we had an interesting period in December because Jupiter entered Capricorn, which we thought would be quite favorable. However, the South Node uh, and, and uh, a solar eclipse conjuncted the Bitcoin natal Mars. And uh, I'll show you on the price chart what happened there. We do have a price chart for that. You just had it. Uh, and just really quickly, to, so there's that eclipse you're talking about. It was yeah. No, this was very confusing. We we couldn't make a forecast, right? Because on one hand, you've got Jupiter, which says oh price goes up, and on the right. other hand, you've got South Node and an eclipse that says the price is going to potentially go down. Um, and what happened is that that was kind of the last um, gasp of the bear market, and that was. Uh, that was really the last kind of low point that we had, and I think it was somewhere around six thousand dollars, and that was um, just about a year ago, uh, uh, just about a year ago, because that was on Christmas Day of that eclipse, and it just goes to show you how damaging a South Node eclipses. Um, if you have a direct hit of a South Node eclipse on one of your natal planets, um, just going to give a shout out to one of my teachers, Judith Hill. Who's one of, uh, has talked about this quite a bit in her medical astrology that it's it's a very dangerous time for health, um, and we see that translates quite well into financial astrology. That um, even though Jupiter was there, you would have thought that Jupiter would have offset that, but Jupiter itself was eclipsed, mm. and Jupiter itself was conjunct the South Node. And by the way, I think that this was giving us a warning for the pandemic and the um, crisis that was to come because Jupiter was. Um, Jupiter, as we know, the effect of eclipses can be very long-lasting. Right. And um, of course, there was a million signatures and so many astrologers have pointed them out. But uh, one thing was that Jupiter was a, a, a eclipsed by a solar eclipse, in debilitated in Capricorn, and conjunct the south node. 
Um, and so it lost its protective ability and its prosperity and its good fortune and good luck. And um, But the thing is that we didn't know it until uh, February and March. So the actual effect of the eclipse, I think, took, uh, along with the many other uh, Saturn, Pluto, Saturn, Jupiter, <laughs> Uh, so many other aspects. Um, but that was one thing that I thought was notable. And if we yeah. look at the Bitcoin price chart, we can see um, exactly in the price action um, how that correlated with um, the Bitcoin price action. And I, I like that you were mentioning that um, with the south node, just because it also ties into one of its ancient meanings in Hellenistic astrology, which is just the idea of decrease or decrease. a lessening of things. And that might be why that becomes relevant then when it comes up in transits in the Bitcoin chart um, due totally. to that, that symbolism. And I tend to, I personally tend to use that uh, more traditional kind of Vedic and Hellenistic interpretations of the nodes. Mm -hmm. Personally, myself, um, I, I find them more useful um, in financial astrology, which is essentially that the south node um, sucks energy away and the north node adds energy. Mm. Um, now, the north and the north node can be good for financial gain and success and wealth, but as we know, sometimes it adds too much energy. And also, um, we can say the south node, the south node isn't isn't necessarily you know bad. The south node can be quite spiritual, I believe. You're not looking at like the past lives of Bitcoin or something like that through the South Node. Um. Well, no. I mean, uh, more of the traditional uh, Vedic uh, interpretation of the South Node, which is that it's more like Neptune. Like okay. it's terrible for the material gain in the material world, but it can actually be through loss. <laughs> through loss, you gain spiritual consciousness. I believe is this kind of sums up the Jyotish. I don't know if that's consistent with the Hellenistic, but it's like it yeah. does represent loss and a loss of energy and wealth, and it's a loss of material standing. Right? It's terrible for fame and fortune and and success and and. But there's a renun in the in through renunciation of those things, you can gain a type of spiritual mastery. Um, that's kind of how I see the South Node. I don't know okay. specifically how that pertains to financial astrology. In financial astrology, sure. it's good if you're looking for a buy point. It's good if you're looking for like an entry into the market. Yeah, I was just just joking with you about the past life of Bitcoin. I don't know what that would what that would look like. Um, so here's is this the chart you wanted to look at with the price? Um, no, chart. not that one yet. We'll get to that for the future. That's kind of more has to do with my future projections. Uh, no, one more, one more. We've got uh, one more, one more. Let me see here. Sorry, it's uh, here. Here we go. You can see the the, the Christmas eclipse conjunct the Bitcoin natal Mars. Uh, no, no, not there. No, oh, down sorry. at the bottom on the bottom left. Oh, there it is. Yeah, okay, yeah, so right here. So this is really interesting because even though Jupiter was conjunct the Bitcoin natal Mars, which you would think would have been a huge boost to confidence, mm. uh, wasn't okay. uh, because Jupiter was eclipsed and afflicted by the by the South Node, and the same eclipse and affliction to the Bitcoin natal Mars, mm. we ended up getting a yearly low here. Now I did not forecast this, um, and I was actually a bit surprised. Uh, so this is one of the things that we found that was um, interesting and surprising. And actually, if you were to like kind of zoom in on that and look at the actual dates, you could see that the eclipse was on the December 25th. You had a low, uh, you had the actual low came about a week before the eclipse. 
And then you had a secondary low a week after the eclipse. And you can see the whole effect of the eclipse there uh, in the price action was pretty bad. That was mm. the lowest point it had hit since the previous January. Um, and again, was kind of worrisome for the market. People were wondering what what's going on, uh, what happened after it rallied so strongly. Now- That's, that's funny to me. I just want to interject because I remember- um, in the year ahead forecast, or maybe it was the December forecast, you can hear. I remember me in Austin when they, him and Kelly were out visiting to do those forecasts here in the studio. We were arguing about the um, auspiciousness or lack of auspiciousness of that Jupiter eclipse. And I remember Austin arguing very strongly for it not being an auspicious eclipse while I was trying to um, not fully downplay that, but maybe um, frame it in a little bit more positive way. And that was definitely an argument that that Austin ended up winning in the long run. Yeah, I mean, it was interesting because I think it was a fake out. The stock market continued up for another, uh, you know, I forget. I think about eight weeks after that, and it was, I was just kind of shaking my head. I was like, Jupiter is eclipsed, afflicted by the South Node, and debilitated in Capricorn, and we got a new all time high in the stock market. Man, I was just like thinking something's wrong here. But I think it played out in a much more long-term fashion, which just goes to show you how uh, the eclipses can be very complex and hard to gauge exactly their orb of influence um, in terms of the time. Yeah, now, Jupiter well, did. Uh, sorry, go also, ahead. And they also just have that long-term six-month impact, since that's the frame of you know an eclipse happens and it's sort of in effect for six months until the next eclipse eventually doesn't happen until six months later. Right, right. Yeah, and the solar eclipses. Um, and yeah, again, I mean, Judith Hill always says that's a very difficult time. You have to be very careful with your health when you get that in your chart specifically, um, especially the south node ones. I mean, it's hard to see south node ones as being as being uh, auspicious. <laughs> mm. But okay. uh, w what happened here was um, uh, a couple of things happened in January and February was that uh, apparently the effect of the eclipse seemingly wore off there for a bit. And Jupiter made a conjunction to the Bitcoin sun. Um, Uranus stationed right around uh, you know mid-January there. You can see the price starts to move up when Uranus um, stations direct and starts trining the Bitcoin natal Mars. And then Jupiter conjuncts the Bitcoin Sun and makes a sextile to Bitcoin Uranus. We get a nice rally here in February and stock markets rallying to a new all-time high and everything looks like everything's going well. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, uh, what happened in February, which will go down in financial astrology you know, infamy, was that um, Venus debilitated in Aries, made a series of squares to the Capricorn stellium um, in, in, in Capricorn, uh, and everything started falling apart uh, across global markets. Um, and then all hell break loose, and we got this, you know, we got, uh, we got a, mar a market crash, essentially, by, by the time we were in mid-March. Which is interesting in terms of the Bitcoin chart, because of yeah. course, one of the things that happened was Mars went into Capricorn in mid-February of 2020. So it started transiting and hitting that stellium along with the rest of the planets transiting through Capricorn this year. Right. Thank you for pointing that out. Yeah, I forgot about that transit of Mars. Uh, 
And and also, as we'll see in March, uh, what what we got was also that Saturn made its first conjunction to the Bitcoin natal Jupiter. Yeah. Uh, par- first partile conjunction. But yeah, Mars and Capricorn, malefics and Capricorn, as we can see, are bad for Bitcoin. And benefics in uh, Capricorn are good for Bitcoin. Um, so that's a pretty tight correlation that we can say has been holding up quite well. Looks like by the end of March, Mars hit Jupiter, the Bitcoin Jupiter as well. And let's see, uh, so just going back to your chart in terms of when the lows were, um, because the entire, obviously the entire world economy just yeah. Sort of crap. So that was um, obviously the stock. What happened um, in March for listeners who might not understand exactly what happened was there was a global liquidity crunch. So stocks started plummeting and uh, investors and traders, uh, anyone who is a margin trader in particular, including large financial institutions, who means they were making trade on trades on lended money, needed to come out, had margin calls, um, which means a bank's going to liquidate your position unless you can uh, come up with some money um, within a very short period of time. This created a cascading global market liquidity crunch. And so assets that had nothing to do with the cri- the pandemic or the crisis or even not involved in the stock market at all, like cryptocurrencies, started crashing as investors started liquidating any asset that was in profit to cover uh, other uh, margin calls and just to go to cash for safety. And so what we saw here was uh, uh, that Bitcoin cre- had its and this, by the way, correlated to almost to the day, another one of those correlations, almost to the day of Saturn conjunct the Bitcoin natal Jupiter, right? Jupiter, once again, is a point of wealth, prosperity, good fortune, and luck, and your ability to be expansive. Saturn is, you know, um, its its inherent symbol is it's it's a, a Sith, right? Or a, I'm, not, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right. You know, it's it's kind of a reaper, and so its job is to kind of prune away any excess growth in the garden, you know, potentially for future growth and, and abundance. But what happens when Saturn conjoins uh, Jupiter here is that we get an enormous contraction. The I think it was the biggest one-day drop in Bitcoin history, and you can oh, really? see that again on my price chart. You'll see a giant red candle, which just indicates. Um, um, a massive uh, collapse in the price uh, on the price chart. Yeah. So in the in the chart that we're looking at, we can see that that transit of transiting Saturn reached 29 degrees of Capricorn in 33 minutes, and exactly conjoined the position of the Jupiter in the Bitcoin chart at 29.33 Capricorn on March 16th. So um, do you know when that, how close that was to the 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 large largest one day drop? Yeah, I believe that that drop came on uh, 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 right around March twelfth uh, or thirteenth. Okay, well, that would be pretty yeah. exact then. If that if that's true, that would be a really great correlation. Then having that exact transit of Saturn yeah, to Jupiter, and y- you can see there were two lows within about a four or five day period. Each one of these bars being a single day. So it wasn't, you know, just on a one exact day, but it was over the range of a couple of days. But you can see these these massive uh, red candles uh, being a massive drop as soon as, essentially, as soon as Saturn um, went partile, and and that's a really important uh, point 
these aspects are they're they're most powerful when they're when they're partile. Okay, so yeah, that's another good lesson. Which it's like again, just learning astrology, teaching astrology, that astrologers know that the exact aspects can tend to coincide with the focal point of a transit, and we can see that sometimes happening here very closely, being reflected in the in the price or the value of of Bitcoin. Yeah, but in the bigger scheme of things, for like 2018, you know, Saturn was in a essentially a five or six degree orb, right, the entire time from the Bitcoin, Mars, and Sun, and so that's when we saw that 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 Bitcoin, uh, that's when we saw that Bitcoin bear market. So you know, there is definitely orbs for the bigger picture, but for the exact transits, um, the partile aspect is very powerful for those relative yearly uh, low, the exact yearly low and high points. Yeah, it looks like on this chart, it's like March twelfth ish. Looks like it was when the low was. So that's really, really close to that exact Saturn transit to the Bitcoin Jupiter. That's impressive. Um, yeah. Okay. So back to the chart, but after that point, yeah, it started rebounding. It looks like eventually. Yes, and all the markets have essentially been running up ever since then. I mean, every chart for every market. Yeah, this is a good chart right here for this. I mean, every chart for every uh, for the stock markets um, look like this chart. Uh, this isn't uh, totally unique to Bitcoin, um, which is very interesting. I mean, uh, you know, what exactly is causing with so much havoc being wreaked uh, astrologically? Uh, why are markets continuing to rally? I think is a question a lot of financial astrologers have been been asking. And one of those things I think is is Uranus and Taurus is kind of like. Um, turning markets and, and finance upside down a bit, um, and 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 I think Jupiter Pluto has also been making some really big winners, but some really big losers, right? I think like uh, stock markets, particularly tech stocks like Amazon and Zoom and anything that that has to do with uh, you know uh, conducting your business and your life at home has been you know doing really well, uh, whereas you know so many small businesses and restaurants and clubs and 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 so forth have been you know completely going out of business. So I think Jupiter Pluto has made for kind of extreme financial conditions and this extreme disconnect between uh, Wall Street and finance and and Main Street. What's happening in the real economy? But uh, looking at the Bitcoin chart here, um, actually, if you can just zoom out for a minute, Chris, I want to just point out. Um, that this is one of those things where it's it's been actually you know 2020 has been one of those things where I think it's been a little hard to make like those really exact correlations between those partile conjunctions and and trines and so forth to the mm -hmm. to the peaks and valleys of the price action. In this case, uh, one of the things I see for 2020 is number one, the South Node left uh, Capricorn and the eclipse pattern left Cancer Capricorn in May. Um, and I think that was a huge favorable for Bitcoin. The other thing is that um, Uranus made that third and final exact trine to the Bitcoin Mars, which again, just to uh, refresh, was the aspect that we had a huge rally on in June, uh, May, June, and July of 2019. Mm -hmm. And that happened right after the crash. So that brought it back up to about the $10,000 range there in April and May. And then what happened is that Uranus fell into this kind of sweet spot, midpoint area, um, in, in making trines to both Bitcoin, Mars, and Sun, essentially 
for pretty much the rest of 2020. And you can see you got a peak there uh, with my red little arrow there. Uh, that was the Uranus station. This so, uh, red arrow got, right here. Yeah, we got a relative top there. That was an important day, right? Because we had Uranus station, we had Mercury Kazemi, and Mars with dignity in Aries was trying the sun with dignity in Leo. And we got a big market, we got a market top there. Then Uranus went retrograde and things kind of went south for a little bit. Um, but what happened, um, and we thought, we didn't really know, Mar Uranus was retrograde, uh, Mars was retrograde. We thought that might slow momentum down. And it actually did for a while. But what we found was that um, as Jupiter started making sextiles to the Bitcoin um, natal Uranus and trines to that to the Bitcoin Saturn, right? So it, mm -hmm. Jupiter started op, uh, uh, aspecting that opposition between the natal Uranus and Saturn that we talked about. Okay. And all of a sudden, you know, it started to take off. And, and now we're approaching the Bitcoin 12-year cycle Jupiter return. Right. And that kind of brings us to where we are now in the present, um, that, you know, to this new all-time high that we got, as you pointed out, on the November 30th um, full moon eclipse in Gemini, which, which interestingly wasn't really an active point in the Bitcoin natal chart. It was like eight degrees Gemini. Um, it was actually making an inconjunct to the, to the uh, stellium. Um, you know, maybe it was making a, tr a wide trine to the Bitcoin Mercury. I mean, it, it wasn't a super active um, transiting, but it was a North Node eclipse uh, in a sign of technology and information. And uh, we, got a, we got a top there. So that was interesting. Yeah, something to note or perhaps try to account for in the future as things progress that, to try to figure out why perhaps that was acting as a sensitive point. Uh, so here it is. It looks like it was at what eight degrees of Gemini. Yeah, I mean there were some other transits there as well. I believe Venus is. Let me see if you have that. Uh, is it November thirtieth? Okay. So look at if you look at Venus. Actually, Venus is sextiling um, the Bitcoin Sun. Um, so that was a nice aspect uh, that might have been uh, favorable in some way as well. Uh, but we don't know if we have a yearly top yet. See, that's the thing. Um, right. We could still go higher on um, on the Bitcoin Jupiter return. Okay, but so we Jupiter. have a we have a very interesting uh, situation coming up now over the next couple of weeks because the Jupiter, the historic twenty year cycle Jupiter Saturn conjunction, initially right. starts at twenty nine degrees Capricorn, and that is uh, the of course the Bitcoin natal Jupiter, which is a wealth point, the wealth point for uh, for. Uh, for Bitcoin. And I mean, uh, this has obviously never happened before because this has been 29 years since Saturn was at this position. Um, and, you know, if, I mean, I don't know what kind of, I don't know if it will ever happen again. Will there ever be another Jupiter-Saturn conjunction at 29 degrees Capricorn? Uh, probably not in our, obviously not in our lifetimes, maybe not even in the Bitcoin life, lifetime. So we can say this is, this is a rare, <laughs> this is a rare once in a lifetime event. Um, so yeah. it's hard to make any predictions on that. But our initial hit is that maybe the Saturn conjunction initially might depress the price, whereas immediately behind it, the Jupiter return could um, uh, cause uh, a new all-time high to take place. What makes it even more complicated is that we have uh, the December 14th south node eclipsing in, um, 
Capricorn, solar eclipse in Capricorn, excuse me, in Sagittarius, um, which a south node eclipse, uh, Mercury's uh, eclipse and afflicted, doesn't look particularly favorable. So that's a mixed, uh, that's a problematic aspect there. Uh, Venus in Scorpio is actually going to be making some nice aspects to the um, Jupiter, Pluto, and Saturn. So that's kind of a favorable. So we've got a real mixed picture for December for Bitcoin. It's really hard to say exactly what happens be um, with with uh, the combination. It's a, such a schizophrenic aspect, the Jupiter-Saturn conjunction yeah. in general. That's tricky just because of having the previous history of having that exact Saturn conjunction to the Jupiter coincide yeah. with a low, a low, which is expected since um, Saturn tends to be contraction. Uh, but then having transiting Jupiter conjoin that sim almost simultaneously, you would normally think of as a growth aspect. So you're getting sort of conflicting indications there. So um, I don't want to focus too much on calling things in the immediate future because I'd like yeah. this episode to be out for a while. But in terms of as we start to turn and like wrap this up and talking about the future, obviously one of the big things that's coming up that's not just for Bitcoin, but for the world in general, of course, is the Jupiter-Saturn conjunction in early Aquarius that's taking place in December. And it's interesting that that's kind of hitting a interesting part of the Bitcoin chart, very close to the natal Jupiter as well as the natal Mercury. Yeah, Mercury, yeah. Yeah, so I think that that, um, I mean, that indicates, right, that there's a historic shift that's taking place and that that cryptocurrencies are going to be part of that that new cycle um, for the collective humanity in finance in Aquarius, um, and of course, you know, Uranus and Taurus is is fulfilling this prophecy of this disruption of global finance, disruption of the banking system. I mean, if there was ever a system that needed disruption, I would say the global financial system it was in need of it. And it is fulfilling its pro promise of a technological revolution in finance. And cryptocurrencies, of course, are, are one big part of that. I mean, there, there's others with just digital payment systems and internet commerce. I mean, there's so many different aspects of it. But we really believe that Bitcoin could become the first global, you know, internet money of the future that transcends national boundaries and transcends national currencies and be could become a positive uniting factor for international commerce. I mean, um, Jack Dorsey of The Square said that it's almost impossible to do international commerce you know, through traditional payment platforms because there's so many problems with different banking regulations in different countries and currency conversions. And he said, it's incredibly complex to do internet transactions internationally. But we know now that these huge internet companies are international, and we, what we really need is a global internet money, and Bitcoin may be that internet money of the future. Yeah, one of the interesting things um, that Antonopoulos mentioned in passing that I thought was really interesting and perhaps connected with this, this Jupiter-Saturn um, Jupiter conjunction in Aquarius and that being in an air sign ruled by Saturn and some of the associations of air signs with technology and communication and exchange. And of course, it also being the Saturn return of the internet. But one of the things you mentioned in passing, in addition to um, associating money with speech and as something that's like transferred, transfer of value between people, as he said, in the past, money has been required 
um, to have ownership, it sort of required like personhood. It was something that was transferred between people, but Bitcoin is something that could also be transferred between like non-people or between computers or machines or what have you because it's an entirely digital currency. And um, some of that I thought was kind of interesting in terms of some of the long-term, let's say, century outlook when we're talking about things like whether the emergence of AI, of artificial intelligence is something that's possible or whether it's on the horizon or not, um, and other, other things like that, since we're still in the very early days of the computer age and the internet age and everything else. Yeah, I mean, um, that's really interesting. And and there's some new cryptocurrencies like Ethereum um, we talked about and some other ones uh, that are involved in smart contracts. And of course, those contracts can be run, uh, like you said, from one computer to another and um, don't, or from one corporation to another, don't necessarily um, have to involve humans. And that somehow sounds very typically Aquarian. Um, I think it's going to be really interesting, the Saturn-Jupiter conjunction. I mean, I think... Uh, I think Saturn could, Aquarius could indicate that there's a continuing collective hardship for humanity in the aftermath of the pandemic. And a lot of experts are saying the vaccine's not going to solve all our problems and that this is going to continue playing out. Whereas on the other hand, Jupiter may be opening up completely new avenues of of human creativity, expression, and connectivity um, You know, through avenues like Zoom, what we're doing now, and internet internet activity and you know, like what we saw with Norwalk or the first uh, the first uh, remote uh, con- astrology conference. I think it was the first one, but first time Norwalk had ever did that, and they got three times more attendees, right, than um, than they ever had before. So I think Jupiter is going to expand certain areas of human connectivity, while Saturn continues, um, you know, to make us uh, to, to to have some collective difficulties and challenges that we have to face and overcome. Um, and I'm sure Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies are going to, I think they're going to be one of those things that really expands um, with Jupiter in Aquarius as well. And I think we can see, you know, the story, by the way, of just, you know, which I emphasized before of Saturn in Capricorn entering Capricorn and that, um, you know, massive drop in the Bitcoin price. And over the course of this three-year period of Saturn, really uh, testing Bitcoin and seeing what it was made of and really hardening it um, and and um, and maturing cryptocurrencies and Bitcoin uh, to the point now where we're seeing this massive institutional acceptance of cryptocurrencies uh, with PayPal announcing uh, you know, uh, Bitcoin and cryptocurrency payment wallets and platforms, and uh, the Dow Jones Industrial Average just the other day said that we're going to be seeing a cryptocurrency index fund on the Dow Jones, the major stock, one of the biggest stock exchanges on the world. So Saturn is, you know, this is a really great lesson, I think, for astrologers, because we tend to fall into the trap of seeing Saturn as bad. And it, and it was bad in that it, it crashed the Bitcoin price and held it down for a couple of years. But there was a bigger picture, there was a bigger process in play where Saturn was actually doing something. And we forget that a lot of times with Saturn because it feels bad, but it's actually, you know, Saturn also indicates success. And and in this case, institutional, traditional acceptance by traditional institutions. Yeah, that makes sense. So there's like a larger arc to the story, you know? than just mm-hmm. the price action itself. 
Yeah, it seems almost behaving more like I would expect a day chart Saturn, which just again going back to the whole underlying problem of needing to rectify the chart. But in some of these transits that we're talking about, day chart Saturns in birth charts tend to be like a setback or an obstacle, but it becomes a surmountable difficulty that it's the cliche what doesn't kill you make you makes you stronger type thing <laughs> that is like a, a setback that then eventually you build on it and you come back stronger from the setback than you were before as opposed to something that just knocks you down and you can't get back up from which is more of a night chart saturn type transit um so the the other thing that's relevant here is the question of the extent to which that seems like it's talked about sometimes by astrologers that the bitcoin chart because it was the first um one that used this approach using the blockchain technology and that it spawned so many imitators and so many other types of cryptocurrency the extent to which the chart almost acts as a chart representing other cryptocurrencies in general and if that's true then this jupiter saturn conjunction taking place so close to the mercury of um the bitcoin chart uh being relevant in terms of the proliferation and something broader about cryptocurrencies in our world in general and perhaps the underlying additional applications of the blockchain technology to other things outside of currencies. Yeah, that's an interesting point. I mean, Saturn, you know, may there's a hundreds of of cryptocurrency projects, some of them may fail. In fact, most of them may fail. Um a lot of them have been trying to challenge Bitcoin, but none of them has been successful. Um and uh but some of them will be successful and some of them may eventually overtake Bitcoin itself as well. So that's a possibility that we have to uh, you know, the what we call the MySpace problem, right? <laughs> Being the first right. doesn't always mean you're gonna be the most have the most longevity. Uh so yeah, um Bitcoin, the Bitcoin chart actually is predictive for the entire cryptocurrency market to some degree. Uh we've been trying to do uh some techniques on some of the other cryptocurrencies. Sometimes they follow their own chart, sometimes they follow the Bitcoin chart. There's also a chart, a, a financial chart that you can look at that shows the Bitcoin's relationship to the other cryptocurrencies. Um, so it's actually quite complex. Uh, but uh, I think cryptocurren- cryptocurrencies in general, you know, it's it's not just Bitcoin. Um, eventually, there are going to be, uh, and, and Ethereum is actually doing very well right now, and they're launching a huge new Ethereum 2.0 scaling project uh, to really make the smart contract technology a big part of the future. And so that certainly could play a role in the Jupiter-Saturn conjunction in uh, Aquarius. Uh, Of course, Aquarius can associate with new technologies and innovations and the future. Um, So uh, I think that uh, cryptocurrencies are going to be playing a big role uh, for certain over the next couple of years. And if you want to look at that long-term tri- uh, price uh, uh, chart of Bitcoin, this might be a good segue, you know, to look at some of the uh, the future aspects that I was talking about that I think astrologers might want to um, pay attention to. Sure, is this? Yeah, this the is chart? the log. This is called a logarithmic price analysis here, um, and you can see the kind of long-term price trends um, and how it looks on the logarithmic chart, but. Essentially, it took three years for Bitcoin to get back to that 19.5 price point, and we've got you know we've got two really interesting um, conjunctions. um, uh, Excuse me, two really interesting aspects coming up in 2021 and 20 and and also 2022. 
but I've just highlighted the 2021 date range here, right, um, on the chart. So um, in May, uh, Jupiter is going to make its first ingress into Pisces. So right. we do have to be a little careful that we don't have that same problem we had with Uranus's first ingress into Taurus. But your Jupiter's ingress into uh, Pisces will conjunct the Bitcoin natal Venus. Mm -hmm. um, something to take note of. It could uh, correlate, you know, that would be a very, the, always the conjunction of the two benefics is going to be one of the most favorable, you know, aspects in financial astrology. We always love to see um, any kind of combinations of Jupiter and Pluto together. And I might add, both of them will have dignity, which is also interesting. Venus is exalted in the natal chart and Jupiter will have dignity by rulership. So this could be uh, produce some interesting fireworks here. Uh, Jupiter will also sextile Pluto, by the way, even on just this first ingress. So that's a dynamite combination that we're looking at, okay? Then um, Uranus in um, June... Pay attention to just in passing what Mars is doing during that, during that time, though, in terms of just um, comparing dual transits like we were doing back in 20, 2014. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, um, so, so uh, sorry, just, uh, I see. Yeah. So Mars is actually in Cancer opposing. So that's an unfavorable that we, uh, you know, might, um, but it's a short term, it's a more short, short term right. influence there. It's only fleeting for a couple days. Yeah. Um, but certainly uh, it is something to be aware of. We don't like to see oppositions from malefics. <laughs> so, and, and Jupiter will, this is a quick one because Jupiter will yeah. actually station there at what, two degrees? Two degrees. Of yeah, two degrees, and then it will retrograde back. However, during that same period of time, what's more noteworthy is looking at Uranus. Uranus is in the 13th degree and making a first of three trines to the Bitcoin sun. Nice. Okay. Now, this is a very, very important series uh, in 2021 and culminating in 2022. We think, uh, you know, that this, uh, if you go back to that price chart for a second, you know this is a this is one of the biggest favorables of the short Bitcoin life cycle. So this combination of Jupiter and Uranus uh, could be highly, highly favorable for Bitcoin. Um, of course, we can't say for sure, and the aspects themselves don't tell us a price range. However, if we look at the Bitcoin long-term price projection logarithmic chart, we see if it sort of just maintains its trajectory in this ascending channel, we should, uh, you know, it's likely to get up into that 30,000, 40,000, 50,000 uh, range during that period of time. Now, if it, you know, if it went completely crazy on this Uranus series of transits here and it touched again, made a third touch to the top of the channel, then you would be looking at a $250, excuse me, $250,000 price per Bitcoin. And there are some very well-respected, uh, very smart financial analysts who believe that that is not completely impossible. Um, so uh, while, you know, uh, we're not making any concrete prediction that Bitcoin is going to go to any specific price, um, we do believe that this favorable series of Jupiter and Uranus in 2021. And then, uh, of course, Uranus is going to make another ingress into Pisces in January of 2022. Jupiter. And then uh, uh, Jupiter, yes. Yeah. 
sorry, Jupiter into Pisces. And then uh, uh, just a month or two later, Uranus will make its third trine to the Bitcoin sun. Um, and I think that there's some chance that there's some type of culmination in a Bitcoin price in a long-term multi-year Bitcoin bull market rally there. Um, so that's really some, some transits and dates we're looking at. And then a little bit more long-term, I think the one thing that astrologers want to be uh, a little bit concerned with would be Pluto's conjunction to the Bitcoin natal sun. Excuse me, I'm sorry. <coughs> to the Bitcoin natal Jupiter the following year in 2023. Now that is an aspect that potentially if we see an extreme market rally and Bitcoin is known for extreme rallies, um, then uh, Pluto, uh, uh, that could indicate a market bust, you know, a bull, and that could indicate a bust cycle where Pluto, uh, when Pluto hits the 29th degree or 28th, you know, we'll give it a one degree orb, then that breakdown and destruction of the wealth and prosperity and luck of the Bitcoin natal Jupiter um, could come into play. Uh, the last really major transit we saw of Pluto in the chart um, was that conjunction to the natal sun. Now, it has been in a trine to Bitcoin natal Saturn recently, um, and that seems to have actually broken down the market price structure, the whole mining system, and built it up stronger now as well. So Pluto has actually been kind of in the background doing some things there. Um, but uh, Pluto's conjunction to the Bitcoin uh, Jupiter uh, would be something that we could maybe see another uh, uh, epic market meltdown and crash at that time. Um, and then yeah, we could maybe see a whole other uh, destruction and then rebirth cycle that could come out of that. It's interesting that that's right before that happens in 2023, right before you know Pluto goes into Aquarius and such a epoch-defining uh, shift of Pluto going into Aquarius um, in the same way that it was such a major worldwide shift when sat, when Pluto went into Capricorn back in the 2008 time frame, and we had the whole global financial meltdown. Um, it's interesting that the Bitcoin chart will get such a significant transit of Pluto to Jupiter right before or around the same time as that shift. Yes, so that that is really interesting. That's something I hadn't really thought about that much. Um, of course, and these long-term kind of forecast uh, predictions are very speculative, but uh, yeah, that, that does indicate that the historic shift of Pluto into Aquarius has uh, also uh, very profound implications for Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies. Perhaps another cryptocurrency eclipses Bitcoin at that time, or mm. um, it would be, yeah, I mean, you know, this is already five or six times that Bitcoin has like had a thousand percent gain followed by a 90% collapse. So uh, right. this could, it wouldn't surprise anyone to see another cycle of that play out. But as investors and long-term, long-term investors want to be on the um, the safe side of that one. Yeah, that volatility and that Saturn Uranus opposition built into the, the Bitcoin chart itself, that actually reminds me that this year, we got a little preview of it last year, but it never went exact, or, or I should say, in earlier in 2020, which was Saturn when it dipped into Aquarius, Aquarius. for that initial preview, uh, started the square with Uranus, and you know, socially we saw that with a lot of the different like protests and stuff, uh, especially mm. in the United States, 
but then um, we're going to get the first exact hits of Saturn square Uranus, and that's going to be then basically the first time, one of the first times that we've had a hard aspect between Saturn and Uranus since the inception of Bitcoin, right? Yes, this is the so that was the opposition, right. and now we've got the waning uh, square. And uh, the last time we had a waning square was 1977, I believe. Okay, a waning um, square. Uh, yeah, so th so that's kind of interesting and notable, just in terms of. Well, that's you know, the dominant aspect of next year, uh, yeah, right? Twenty twenty one. The squares, the three series of squares uh, between uh, Uranus, Uranus, and Saturn, and during that time, Saturn will actually be conjunct the Bitcoin North Node. Hmm. Okay. It, so Saturn will be, yeah, the North Node is around nine degrees of Aquarius, and Saturn will get up there. It looks like it squares from seven Aquarius to seven Taurus uh, in February. So like mid February is the first square. Um, it'll be interesting to see to what extent that might coincide with some some volatility or other things like that. Um, it's interesting that we're also only about a third of the way, or maybe halfway this year, through Uranus transiting through Taurus. So, to whatever extent that is coinciding with some revolutions in terms of currencies, you know, we haven't even gotten through. The majority of that yet. We're really still only seeing a part of perhaps what is to come or what that's going to look like by the time we're on the way out of that or on the other end of that later in the decade. Right. And that's an interesting point, actually. Um, I remember, I believe Ray Merriman uh, said, the noted financial astrologer who's been on your show, said that uh, the first part of Taurus is famous uh, for. Uh, let me see if I have this right. I think he said that Uranus and I can't remember if it was Uranus and Taurus, but the Uranus in a sign, the first half, I think it was Uranus in the first half of a sign is famous for bull markets, whereas Uranus in the second half of the sign is famous for bear markets. So that there's a kind of a uh, there's a a, a bull uh, to a boom and a bust cycle with Uranus's transit. Through a sign and the corresponding markets to that sign. Okay. So maybe uh, the second half of Uranus's transit in Taurus would be potentially, if he's correct on that, uh, would be maybe uh, less uh, favorable. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, that's something I'd love to look into historically. Um, all right. It's also well, it's just interesting. Um, just on that point of Uranus and Taurus, um, of course, that also corresponded to the Great Depression. Almost right. the entire time that Uranus was in Taurus in the previous time, um, so uh, it's that's that at least in the 1930s uh, and early 40s uh, that was a very very challenging and difficult time for the world. Mm. Okay, all right. Well, I'm trying to think of if there's any major things that we meant to touch on, but I think we've covered um, just about everything. I did want to mention really quickly how people can follow you or how people can get in touch with you and follow your work on Bitcoin or, or other areas of astrology. Sure. Uh, well, I'm I'm uh, in the great tradition of Satoshi Nakamoto. I have uh, my own uh, pseudonym on Twitter. I'm known as Crypto Damas. Uh, my handle is at Astro Crypto Guru, 
and I'm one of the leading um, financial analysts for Bitcoin and, and cryptocurrencies, astrological, uh, bringing the power of ancient financial astrology techniques to the modern cryptocurrency markets. So you can follow me uh, there on Twitter at AstroCryptoGuru. Um, I also, you can go to my personal website, which is sourcepointastrology.com. And I have a financial page there, which kind of has all of my activities, current activities listed. I have a Patreon group also where we do a really, really specific analysis for uh, Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies and also just general financial uh, astrology stuff as well on my Patreon group. I'm going to be uh, I'm going to be speaking at ISAR, by the way, Chris. Uh, I think you'll be there, too, in 2021. And I'm going to be, of course, lecturing on the astrology of Bitcoin. I'm so nice. really looking forward to, um, and of course, we're all hoping that happens in person. So a big shout out for ESAR and um, everybody out there who's listening. I hope you'll, uh, that you'll uh, come to the ESAR 2021. Um, I'm also launching a financial astrology course, mainly for cryptocurrency traders um, in late February of 2021. Uh, but I don't have the information on that uh, yet. I'm also going to be launching a, um, a website called astrocryptoreport.com, and that's going to be going live in January of 2021, um, but that's not up yet. Most of the information, though, is on uh, www.sourcepointastrology.com. You can find all of the relevant information for my financial astrology and also medical astrology too. I do a lot of medical astrology uh, readings as well. Brilliant. Well, yeah, uh, at some point I'd like to have you back to talk about some of your work on medical astrology since I know that's a whole other half of your your practice that you, you do at the same time. Well, you can uh, see my chart. I'm a double Gemini, uh, moon and rising. And someone once said to me, oh boy, you've got two sets of twins. And uh, that really, uh, I hadn't thought of it that way, but it made a lot of sense. And so I, I always kind of like to have two things, right? I'm like, I'm, 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 um, on one hand, I'm an, I'm an, an astrologer. On the other hand, I'm an, been an acupuncturist, a Chinese medicine practitioner. So that's one set of twins. And then even within astrology itself, I have the, the medical astrology uh, persona and the financial astrology persona. And those are another two set of twins. So uh, I can't remember who said that, but it was a very accurate de depiction of the double Gemini. Yeah, I like that. The dual nature of Gemini is a common thing, and having two, either two careers or two sides of things is pretty common. So that's a pretty good example of that. And I have to uh, have two websites <laughs> for everything okay. now. Yeah. Well, uh, thanks a lot for for joining me for this. I really appreciate it. I think we did we covered a lot of ground. I'm actually surprised at how much we got through during this time. Is there anything that we forgot to mention that we're going to kick ourselves for not mentioning later? <laughs> That's a good question. Um, no, I think uh, I was looking over my notes here, and um, oh yeah, okay. There, this is a good thing to end on. Actually, there is for this. We talked about this uh, in our private conversation. The four things that could crash Bitcoin. That I was able to come up with four possible things. I mean, people are always asking me, "Is Bitcoin for real? Is it really safe to put my money in there? Is this mm -hmm. thing just going to crash?" And I think at this point, after Saturn's transit through Capricorn. There's only four things that I think can crash, excuse me, four things. One would be a, another major hacking attack that we saw like the Mt. Gox uh, episode uh, back in 2014 at one of the major exchanges like Coinbase or Binance. There's never been a major hacking attack, a major hacking attack. There's been a lot of smaller ones since the Mt. Gox problem. 
So if there was a, a, a real big security lapse, that would be a huge problem. Of course, another global stock market crash, that could be a problem if that bled over into cryptocurrencies. Third would be a, a, a fraud allegations concerning uh, the notorious um, cryptocurrency exchange Bitfinex and its stable coin uh, called US dollar tether, uh, where there's been a, there's already been a lot of news about this, about potential that they've been manipulating the price of Bitcoin. And then the fourth uh, would be a, what's called a 51% attack. If anybody tried to take over a majority stake in the Bitcoin mining, uh, which would be enormously ex expensive. Nobody could do it, not even uh, uh, Bill Gates or uh, Jeff Bezos, but uh, it is theoretically possible. So that one of those things might correlate to that Pluto conjunction to the Bitcoin natal Jupiter. I mean, it's within the realm of possibility, so it's something that I wanted to throw out there. Yeah, well, that, that's a good point and maybe a good point to close on that I always realized about pretty much any area or any application of astrology is that it's not sufficient just to be good at one or the other, but you actually have to be really good at both the astrology and, in this instance, um, your knowledge of Bitcoin and your knowledge of trading and, and finance in order to really um, excel at it or get the most at it. In the same way that if you're trying to do like medical astrology, you can't just be good at Astrology, but not really know much about the human body. You actually have to be well educated and, and trained on both in order to know the full range of possibilities and in order to be able to combine them effectively. So maybe that's a point that's worth emphasizing here is that if this is an area that somebody wants to go into, they've got to really do their research and, and become as well trained and good at both um, individually on their own um, in order to combine them perhaps the most effectively. Well, that's that's a great point, Chris, and thanks for bringing that up. Seriously, because when I first started doing this, I was, uh, you know, I would say uh, I was a good astrologer, I was a competent astrologer, but I knew nothing. I, I had experience trading stock, the stock market, but I didn't know anything about technical analysis of financial markets, like using technical indicators, like relative strength index, uh, what we call the MACD, like. Moving averages, these kind of things that financial analysts are fluent in. It's a whole other language, just like astrology, right? So I spent the last three years studying technical analysis. And so what we've done, you know, with uh, what what I've done, and Ray Merriman and other financial astrologers do this too. This is really essential: is that astrology is essentially just another financial uh, indicator. That you want to combine. So anybody who's listening to your show and wants to kind of, you know, I, when I realized I, I I was just trying to do this with astrology alone, it's it's impossible. You also have to understand financial analysis or what they call technical analysis of financial markets and being able to read price charts like what we showed uh, in the graphics, like those bars, those candle patterns mean something. Uh, I didn't use any of the technical indicators on those chart, but there's, you know, hundreds of technical indicators that all tell you something very important about what the price is doing. And so what we do is we really just use the astrological factors as another technical indicator to help us understand the price movement, you know, of the assets. So uh, that's a great point that, you know, it took me three years of really, uh, I didn't, of studying uh, the technical analysis, and I'm still really just a beginner at that. Yeah, well, it's something, hopefully at least, that we've encouraged people and shown them some of the possibilities of what is possible and some of the correlations that are interesting so that perhaps there'll be some people that get excited about that and decide to take that project on as one of the 
interesting things that you can do either for for personal interest and and you know development and growth financially or for the purpose of just how interesting it is from a just an astrological standpoint um studying that and having some sort of objective measurement to compare the astrology to and some of the possibilities with that that are applicable to many other fields and many other areas of society and history and and culture and everything else Right, because uh, I mean, astrology is just a language. At the end of the day, I mean, that's how I see it. I mean, of course, astrologers can argue about this, but it's a language. Um, it's a language of life, and um, it's also a study of energy patterns and pattern recognition. And technical analysis of markets is also a study of energy patterns and um, pattern recognition. Um, and of course, medical astrology is, of course, also a study of energy patterns. So they all have that in common. Um, and by the way, I forgot to plug my newsletter report. We do have a subscription report for Bitcoin analysis that we did in 2018. That was a free report and we beta tested our system and we went to live subscription, paid subscription in 2018. I think we're the longest running paid subscription service for financial astrology for cryptocurrency and focusing on Bitcoin in particular. And I put out a monthly report at the beginning of the month, every month with short and long range forecasts for cryptocurrency markets. And also occasionally I add in a lot of stuff like our December issue had a big section on the Jupiter-Saturn conjunction and what that means, you know, culturally, politically, economically, and so forth. So if you're interested in that, you can email me at astrocryptoreport at gmail.com. Brilliant. Awesome. Well, thanks a lot for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Chris, it's been a pleasure. And um, we talked for a long time here. I hope you've got some usable stuff. And uh, it's been great connecting with you. Uh, I'm such a great fan of you and your show. And I uh, hope your listeners appreciated this one. Definitely. All right. Thanks, everybody, for watching or listening to this episode of the Astrology Podcast. Thanks to all the patrons for supporting it. And I guess that's it for this episode. So we'll see you again next time. Thanks to all the patrons that supported the production of this episode of the podcast through our page on Patreon. In particular, thanks to the patrons on our producers tier, including Nate Craddock, Marin Altman, Thomas Miller, Catherine Conroy, Michelle Marillot, Christy Moe, Ariana Amor, Mandy Ray, Angelique Nambo, and Sumo Kopic. For more information about how to become a patron or have your name listed in the credits, please visit patreon.com slash astrologypodcast. Thanks also to our sponsors, including the Northwest Astrological Conference, which is happening online May 27th through the 31st, 2021. For more information about that, visit norwac.net, as well as the ESAR Astrology Conference, which is happening August 18th through the 22nd, 2021. For more information, visit esar2020.org. The Honeycomb Collective Personal Astrological Almanac, which is available at honeycomb.co. The Portland School of Astrology, which you can find out more information about at portlandastrology.org, the Astrogold Astrology app, available at astrogold.io, and finally, SolarFire Astrology software, which is available at alabe.com, and you can get a 15% discount on it by using the promo code AP15.